any doubt in your mind that these facilities that were hit were clearly identified as UN facilities and places of refuge? Absolutely. We clearly identify all our buildings and we share the uh, coordinates, the GPS, with all the parties. And we share them very, very regularly because we're aware of the movement of population and we're aware that people are seeking shelters shelter in our in our in our premises in our facilities so yes uh, affirmative all our locations are shared tomorrow how many people are we talking about who were in these shelters when they were hit this evening that particular building in the marazi camp hosts hosted 4000 internally displaced people so these are people who either lost their homes mm -hmm. or ran away for their lives thinking that they would be safe in a UN, in an UNRWA building. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Been a couple days. Had to reflect, deal with some personal stuff. But unfortunately, the onslaught on Gaza has continued. Now, we're at a point today where... Comparing these situations isn't even, I mean, it, it, there's never been a point in this conversation where it was the appropriate thing to do to say tit for tat or because of this, because of that, that, you know, eye for an eye kind of an eye argument because there are innocent people on all sides of any conflict. The problem with what we're staring at today. Ooh, that was weird. I actually hit that with my finger. I'm glad I saw that. What, what I'm most concerned with today is the fact that, that, what is going on in one of the most densely civilian populated areas in the world, Gaza, 50% children, over two weeks of round-the-clock indiscriminate bombing. I just opened with the clip, yet again showing you from the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency that they have not only had multiple locations bombed, they have had students killed in their, the pupils in their classrooms, teachers, engineers, their own members killed. If this was anywhere else in the world, I mean, literally, even another U.S. ally, this conversation would be different. It needs to show you something. Now, there's many different ways to perceive this, but in my opinion, it's a very obvious Zionist, in, Zionist influence in the government. Now, interestingly enough, I'm seeing people out there talking about things, people that I tend to see as you know, imitations of what real journalists are, people that are trying to present what they think certain independent fields want to see. You know, they're framing this as something that feels like they're trying that they don't understand, I would argue. You know, Zionism, in my opinion, is not a religion. It's, it's they're trying to conflate this with the idea of Judaism and they're trying to use Judaism to argue that Zionism is anything other than an, a political organization that has tricked a bunch of Jewish people into believing that this is what represents them. And I'm not saying I mean, that's not what I believe is the reality, but I'm saying this because of orthodox jews around the world that speak out against zionism and tell you that it is not judaism and it is using the idea of their religion to manipulate people 
So to conflate it as a religion is, in my opinion, completely missing the point. Or even to argue that it's a Jewish supremacy ideology, it's that's what they're using to fool Jewish people. And my point in saying this is that it's it shows a lack of understanding of the situation. But if you, you if you go with that line, it will then are conflate the concept of there are people out there that would like to make this about Jewish people being the problem. That's not what's happening here. Now, I can easily prove, just like you can see in any other country like the United States, that there are Jewish people that have been manipulated by the Zionist agenda. Just like I can point out there are Americans that are bloodthirsty maniacs that want to see more war, more people killed, like what's going on right now in Gaza, and cheering it all the way. It's the same concept. It doesn't have, in my opinion, it's not about race or religion other than the people that want to use that to divide us. I hope that's clear because it's a problem today that there's too many people in the paradigm that are almost trying to kind of take what they think other people are presenting. And it's, it's a problem. I think there's a lot of manipulators in both the independent and corporate media today. And we just have to be careful. And quite, that's why we say question everything, including me, including everybody come to your own conclusions about everything and question everybody you're listening to. But today we're going to go over the continuation of this onslaught. And that, what I, that's why I was saying when we started is that there's no comparing what happened. The people that were killed in Israel are, is a catastrophe. It's, it's a war crime. If people should be charged for that, whoever is responsible for those civilians' death should be charged for a crime. And, and nobody should act like that's justified or that, it, that it's something that we should ignore because they're innocent civilians. But the fact that it has continued in Gaza Day after day, child after child, innocent family after innocent family, it is catastrophically different at this point. It is an ongoing genocide. We have to understand that. And genocide is, in fact, a legal term. It is the highest order of crime against humanity. It's unreal what we're watching take place. Your government doesn't care. And quite frankly, I could say that. And most likely, wherever you are in the world, that would make sense. Because there was only a few governments that I've seen, like Scotland, for example, or specifically some in the government that have spoken up and said, this is not okay. The no, and, and none of these people, nobody that I respect is saying, good for what happened in Israel. They're saying, that's terrible and disgusting, and we condemn that, but this can't happen. And they get called a terrorist for making that point. So we're going to go over yet again the, uh, the ongoing genocide deliberate targeting of civilians at least the indiscriminate bombing in an area they know civilians are are present even anthony blinken literally without mincing words just said well civilians are dying and that's hamas's fault because they're present because hamas is there what he literally said what did we expect israel to do i don't know not commit war crimes go in after those people i mean it's the equivalent of saying that oh well we're attacking this country and we don't know where the bad guys are they're super strong so we're just going to carpet bomb the whole thing you know civilians what do you expect us to do go in and risk our soldiers lives i mean it's it's the way that they're flipping this discussion is staggering to me but it shows you what they really are and always have been and that's the point people should recognize now, again, I open with that clip from the United Nations. We're going to get to that later in the show. I'm going to open with a few points from COVID-19 because I don't want people to lose. I, I got to stop saying that. Not COVID-19, but the general topic therein, usually having to do with the COVID-19 injections. I'm going to have a few points to start with there that I want to make sure people don't miss because that is continuing to fall apart more than ever. And just like this conversation, they're going full steam ahead anyway. Because you know what? They are showing you today that they don't need you or care what you think. What they need is for you to believe they're doing it in your interest and then maybe think occasionally they care what you think. They don't. 
on either cap. They do not care. And they're showing you that with everything they do today. So let's get into this. Let's start with that clip that I opened with that I think is important just to see where that comes from. We'll come back to this in general, but I want you guys to see this. It wasn't just some random thing. There are people who either lost their homes or ran away for their lives thinking that they would be safe in a UN building. So the argument that they're going after Hamas, explain for me, or, or the fact that they bombed X, Y, and Z building because they told you Hamas was there. As even the Associated Press will blindly state a, a militant Hamas location with zero evidence other than what Israeli government says. Anybody else would be like this person says. They don't even say that. They just say militant location because, and later in the articles discussed that that's what Israel's military claimed. My point is, if we can prove that they're bombing UN buildings, which we can, if we can prove that they're bombing hospitals and places that they've told those people to go to, there's no pretending like this is actually only Hamas or that they're even trying to only hit Hamas. This is deliberate evidence of an aimed, this is a building that they know of. They, this is the United Nations location that they have tar- coordinates for. This is where we are. This is what we're doing. It's a protected area, and they've bombed multiple of those locations. On and on and on. Just that alone should end the conversation. This is a war crime. These people are actively hurting people that they want to kill, civilians. And then in the, in the midst of it, hurting international bodies. So we'll come back to that. I just think it's mind-blowing that that enough is not... Did the people still supporting what's going on over there, despite their open statements of actual genocide? Now, I just had an, inter- an interview. Again, quick deviation into COVID-19. I think some important points I don't want you to miss. I had a really powerful interview on the 20th with Hope. Uh, uh, I, just, I just blanked on her last day. I don't want to mispronounce it, but watch the interview. It, she's a very intelligent, well-spoken, caring mother who is fighting to, for, to, tooth and nail to protect her daughter, Autumn. It's a sad story that is it's ongoing and I'm going to follow up with her if anything changes. And it seems that she's on the cusp right now of potentially losing her child. And I, this is not just my take on this. She's about to lose her child for caring about her daughter too much for caring about the actions the hospital takes and daring to ask to be included in those choices. And then when they make mistakes and it was something that she requested not be done. And then she goes, this is why I didn't want it done. Well, now you're a hostile person. And now you're a problem to the hospital. So they're going to lie about you, which is literally what happened. Almost lost her daughter in a hearing because they lied about her until she proved that they lied about her. And then it still sort of went forward anyway. They ended it and said they lied or, or it was our mistake. And now she's in the hospital and she's literally sleeping in the bathroom because she's worried they won't let her back in. And it all has to do with multiple things you guys are familiar with, blood transfusions. And yes, it does have to do with what you're thinking about. And ultimately, the, the argument or the, the, the point about consent, a mother's parental rights, and having to do with all sorts of different treatments and actions that ventilating, intubation, it's, it's horrifying, guys. It's titled A Story of Medical Tyranny and a Mother's Fight for Her Child. I really, I know everyone's distracted and and rightly so with a lot of different things, but this is an important spotlight story that I hope you guys will take the time to look at, to listen to, and to help if you have the ability. If you guys are interested, I added this to the show notes on the article itself and on the main video platforms. If you're interested in helping her, whether that's financially, whether that's just to give her some kind words, or if you're a lawyer out there or somebody with some kind of insight that wants to help. She needs representation because of this ridiculous dynamic about only certain lawyers can help. They have a certain accreditation. It seems like some bureaucratic nightmare 
where most of these lawyers she talks to don't even know what that is or know what they need. And the bottom line is she's have, finding it impossible to find representation. Please reach out and help her. And the point is remnant nursing here is what you're looking at is, go, is fielding all of her resources. So reach out through them. Let them know you're trying to contact Hope. And look, if you can't get through there, reach out to me and I'll try to get it to her or I will get it to her. Now, I want to point out a few things. Now, this was interesting. This is something Orwell shared with me. Now, I, this, I'm only pointing this out to note on. I want your guys' insight on this. Let me know what you find. I'm not sure if this is exactly correct, what he's stating, but I wanted to make a point about it anyway. Brian Ward, who I'm, I'm not entirely familiar with. Uh, I've seen his work. I've followed him in the past, but he points out, he says breaking. The CDC has declared. This is what I, I wasn't able to confirm today. And when I say that, by the way, that doesn't mean that I spent five hours and a half a day through a week trying to confirm this and you won't be able to. It just means one of two things. Either I was looking and I wasn't able to find it or I found it right before the show and I was only able to look for 10 minutes. Just don't think that means you shouldn't or you won't be able to. The point is, please look. And if you do, let me know. But it says the CDC has declared that it can create a form of an emergency use authorization without FDA or HHS secretary approval. That part I find really important. And I'll show you what I mean why I can't confirm this because what he gets into the emergency use instructions is not a new thing. Not entirely new. It's, it's not new as of today or this year even. Now, the point, though, is that if what he's claiming that they've declared that they can use these emergency use authorizations without the HHS approval, it removes the hierarchy. Which ultimately, remember, the HHS is the one that can declares like the original state of emergency, which then trickles down to the CDC and the FDA, specifically the FDA. And I think it's, was it uh, section 319, I believe, if I remember correctly off the top of my head. And now that's what's kind of lingering on, even though the full declaration has ended, which I argue is completely unjust and illegal. It's all loopholes and bureaucracy. But the point is, he's claiming now that they've made a step further and saying, look, we can kind of extrapolate this out without the HHS approval. And he says, one cannot truly understand how dangerous that this fiat authority is. Now, here's the point I want to make, whether or not that's entirely accurate. And I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying I wasn't able to find the statement he's referring to. Emergency use instructions, EUI, allow the CDC to inform healthcare providers and recipients about certain uses of medical products approved. So they have to be approved under this arguably, you know, nothing has to be anything with these criminals. But under the logic, it has to be approved by the FDA. And then it's without the FDA needing to issue an emergency use authorization. So the argument being, for instance, you have community that was approved, they say, which, you know, there's a whole rabbit hole to go down right there, which you guys have heard me go into. It's an illusion for the most part, but on paper is approved. The point being that then they can say, you know, 40,000 variants later, oh, well, we're just going to bump this in via emergency use authorization to the next thing or the next thing or the next thing forever. Or we have another virus, but you know what? Community is probably going to work if we just alter it. So we'll just bump it this way and give it another emergency use authorization. Since it's approved already, you see where I'm going with this? That scares the hell out of me. And we're already kind of seeing that. So this is what I think is most concerning. If the HHS is not included, they can basically use this one approval forever. If they just finagle the way it looks, that concerns the hell out of me. The CDC director has legal authority to create, issue, and disseminate these EUIs for FDA-approved products. EUI, member emergency use information, inform healthcare providers and recipients about these products that are approved. Now, it says a true EUI is just that, emergency use inf instructions, excuse me, on how to use products authorized under EUA. An EUI is not meant to create unlicensed uses of products outside congressional authority. So his argument is this is just going one step further to allow them to do whatever they want forever, which is what we all see kind of happening. So let me know what your thoughts on this. If you have the statement somewhere, 
I, I haven't even got time to reach out to Brian. This was something I added sort of, you know, an hour before I was starting the show. I will. I plan on following up on this, but let me know what you find. Here is some information around the EU. This, this comes again from uh, 2021, you know, so this is specifically emergency use instructions. So that's not new. Wasn't able to find anything else about HHS. Orwell sent this as well. Some information you can read on. My point was simple. Even without, even, even if the HHS is still included, and that's not even accurate. The point is that they can already do this based on the structure they've built. And I just wanted to make that point there. That concerns me that they can just keep bumping this out forever because we know with the new mRNA platform scenario, they don't even need new safety tests, new anything. They just pump in a new genetic sequence and they tell you, hey, we already tested this. Five mice, nobody, who cares? Just take it. We'll tell you it's safe and effective. That's where this is going and it scares me. Now, we already covered this on the 16th of April, 2023. HHS to extend the EUA jab indemnity to 2024 and forever is kind of the point. So if you want to get more research on that. Now, James Lyons-Weiler put this out. For forensic analysis reveals fraud in the data Pfizer had versus the data Pfizer reported. <laughs> Big surprise. This is the kind of stuff that's getting lost because nobody's you know, really focused on this as much as we used to be anymore. And we should be, right? This, and the problem is that even when we were focused, no, no accountability was happening. What happened to East Palestine? Nothing. What happened to Lahaina? Nothing. Nobody ever gets held accountable. And you know why? I swear to God, this is the truth because of the two-party paradigm, because of the jackals inside of the illusory paradigm that port people to direct people based on nonsense. I, I it, Some of them are honest people. They don't realize they're being fooled. And you know, maybe I'm wrong. That's certainly possible too. But I think we all know that the two-party illusion is a trap that keeps people lost. We jump from one story to the next and we don't, I mean, we all do to a degree, but we need to realize accountability is paramount. We have enough evidence in East Palestine to put people in jail right now. The government doesn't care, but we do. Lahaina, same thing. The, the, la the malfeasance was through the roof in that conversation, and nothing's happened. They're marching forward. I mean, it's just, it's really unnerving. And same thing right here. We've, I've never seen a topic like the COVID-19 conversation that is this rife with evidence. And nothing is happening. Not only nothing is happening, these people are getting more powerful. It's staggering. It says, quote, well, he says there's a lot on Twitter these days, but this is huge. And I agree with him. Quote, our analysis revealed inconsistencies between the subject data listed in the six-month interim report and publications authored by Pfizer and Biotech trial site administrators. Most importantly, we found evidence of an over 3.7-fold increase in the number of deaths due to cardiovascular events in the BNT162B2, that's the Pfizer original shot, vaccinated subjects compared to placebo. That's almost a fourfold increase in cardiac cardiovascular death compared to the placebo. Do you wonder why they swapped out the data? Same with the, the swap the shot too, just like the old swine flu conversation. It's like they don't even have any new tricks. This significant adverse event signal was not reported by Pfizer Biotech. Potential sources of these data inconsistencies are identified. Here's the link when you if you want to go into the full study. It's very important. And this is from their platform, Inter International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research. IJVTPR. This is you know where you should go ultimately of the most because they're honest, but that's important. So make sure you check this out. Follow up. Here's another point. This is a popular uh, host from New Zealand. They got basically boxed out because she dared to challenge the COVID nineteen injection, and she's now circling back like she said she would with some information. I just want to play the first part of this that I think is really important. So this, by the way, she's proving in New Zealand, but. It's everywhere. This is everywhere. And we know this 
seems like the Australian government seems to know it. At least some of them do. Everyone around the world seems to know it to some degree, but nobody seems to want to do anything more than just talk about it. I want to see people go to jail. went ahead. I stated the first election update, the first of two election updates. In my previous video, just before the election went ahead, I stated that I would, straight after the election, release information that would shock you, the mother of all revelations, more. There were many demanding that the information be released before the election, but that was not able to be facilitated. The whistleblower's words to us were that it would be published after the election. I also had deep concerns around the trauma the information would cause on the eve of the election, and to me it felt unethical to exploit such traumatic information for our own political gain. Well, we have now come to an undisclosed location with a New Zealand clinician mathematician who is very experienced in statistical analysis. That person has with us reviewed the data and confirms our position that it is damning. The figures show that there are tens of thousands of deaths linked to the jabs. And this is just one of the sites recording this type of information in New Zealand. We don't know how many further databases like this are in the country so it follows that as the deaths are usually less than the numbers of side effects, then the extrapolation of the numbers of injured and dead Kiwis starts to become, frankly, eye-watering. We saw in the data that there are many clusters of deaths, people who attended the same jab site and were jabbed one after the other at consecutive times on the same day. We saw their jab date. We saw their date of death. Let me give you just one of many examples. On one day, 30 people were jabbed on the same day at the same location. All are now deceased. And their deaths are in close temporal time proximity to each other. That's, that's 30. That's all players in a rugby match on the field suddenly dead. You see, statistically, the numbers of deaths we saw cannot be attributed to natural causes. Very, very interesting. Now, you watch the rest of that video. It's just a small focus on a really big problem. And the interesting part in that is you, you just can't explain that without there's something wrong. And we, we know the answer to this. The point is there's so much being willfully ignored. 30 people in one location in one series of shots and every single one of them have died. I mean, and she goes on. I mean, it's just staggering. So I just want people not to miss the fact that this is obvious. I mean, you know, I'm not going to suggest that something like this go like, I'm going to put it this way. I can guarantee you that this as much as it's probably catastrophic for many different political agendas is almost a welcomed distraction from what's going on with this conversation. And I don't even mean to suggest that it was executed. We should ask question everything, certainly possible. But the idea being that from a, from a multiple government perspective, it's like everyone look over there. Thank God we're not getting pressure right now from what's going on. I mean, I think that's interesting, but it's, it's going to, I think, potentially cause more of a problem for many different reasons. But it's just the way that these things tend to work. 
But I think that's really powerful. So watch the rest of that. Now, one other thing I want you to see, which just makes me sick, is Paul Thacker, who is the person who originally broke the Brooke Jackson story with the British Medical Journal. So give, make sure you remember that. The Anthony Fauci Grift Tour offers much more than $300 sponsored tickets. He first posted this. Fauci's now hitting the speaker circuit. Right, Fauci, right? He's a person that should literally be in prison right now for what he very clearly was involved in. And he's, he's look, it's going to make you sick how much money this is going to bring him. $300 a ticket. You can hear him talk about how Fox News was mean to him. That's Paul making the joke or probably not too far off. This man lied to Congress, lied to the country. Somebody posted this down here going, check this out. They found the, the actual image from somebody who got sent this, which I doubt this is public. Sponsorship opportunities. Presenting sponsor, 50,000. Fireside chat, 25,000. Dinner sponsor, 25,000. Look at this. Espresso bar sponsor, 5,000. Imagine if thousands of people go. I mean, this guy could pull in millions and millions of dollars. Look at the breakdown here. What? And and This is what he's doing after what he just executed on the world. And it's not just Fauci or just Bill Gates or just China or just the United States. we got to stop letting the two-party paradigm dictate our thought process. But we need to realize that people like this are absolutely, verifiably, on paper, involved in what's going on. Ask Dr. Martin. Check out our very important interview on the reality of the actual documentation. These people should be in prison. But so too should a lot of them, including the people bombing Gaza right now. But I also want you to listen to this. I'm not going to play it today. It's about six minutes, but it's an important clip to listen to. Powerful presentation from Aaron Siri, who's still doing excellent work. Pretty sure I was following her. Before the Arizona legislature, legislators, prior to 1986, there were only three childhood shots, but the harm caused was so great that most of the big pharma stopped making them or went out of business. In 1986, instead of requiring the three remaining manufacturers to make a safer product, immunity was granted by Congress. Because that makes sense, right? And immunity extended to all future childhood vaccines. No one, so think of it like this. Nobody's were taking them because they, was da- they were problematic. There was people, you know, whether it was aware or not, or, you know, conscious, people stopped taking them because people were getting hurt. It wasn't working as much. So then all of a sudden they go, well, if we don't, if we don't give them indemnity, they're going to stop making them because they're not making enough money. So all of a sudden they give them an indemnity. And what? The shots exploded from 86 forward. And so too did all the problems that they were baffled about. Can't figure out what's going on. And of course, that's also with the childhood schedule that was a necessity for school and so on. So it became ingrained without us even being aware of it. Most of us. No other consumer product has what they have. Aaron Siri says it highly concerning as as it de-incentivizes safety. Exactly. Now it's time for the complete review of the out-of-control childhood vaccine schedule. Add down here that the assumption that the vaccines make children healthier, but does not the data support that? 1986, there were 11 doses, 12.8% children with chronic health issues. 2017, 53 now, 53 doses now in 2017, 54% children with chronic health issues. Something is definitely going on. Genes don't change that fast. The CDC is baffled. Of course they are. Aaron Siri suggests it might be worth looking at a product given to them 70 times to modify their immune system. Important. Now, let's start with this thing, with this point, before we get into the occupied Palestine conversation. Palestine, excuse me. Laura Friedman points out something very interesting. Now, I wanted to start with this because this, I always, I've, tending, I've, been, I've tended to show the Twitter and censorship aspect early in the show. So let's see if it happens live. I did record it just in case it didn't. But for anyone, she says, who doesn't believe there's a shadow banning, which there is, and I can prove it, of Palestine-related accounts on Twitter. 
try to follow this account. I'll do it right now and see what happens. And then go back and, and look. Okay, let's check it out. Palestine Action US. Now, I'm not familiar with this account. I'm not promoting it. I don't even know. I don't, I haven't, this, I haven't had time to go into it and look at it. Not every account saying they support Palestine is honest and accurate and whatever. Just question everything always. But my, my point is that it's an account that she's telling you to follow. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure based on a quick glance, it looks like an account that's sharing many of the things that I look at too. So follow. Okay. So it looks like it's following. Press the page. Well, that was even faster. Last time, it was, let's do it again. Follow. Go back. Click it again. Looks like you're following, right? Should be there. Refresh the page. Gone. And it's it's legit, guys. I mean, you look at this many times as you want. It is literally not letting you follow. I did this five times. I recorded it. I mean, I, I was half expecting it to not work live like it does for me so many times. I mean, that is blatant. Think about that. This is Twitter taking a side in this, which shouldn't surprise you when they're literally working with the ADL to censor what they call hate speech, which is not a crime. So thank you to Laura Friedman for pointing this out. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, this is the kind of censorship Twitter is actively involved in while allowing all sorts of horrific things, which we'll get to later, being posted directly by Zionist agents or Zionist supporters that are making fun of people suffering in Gaza in horrific ways and app posting images of the most disgusting things, desecrating dead bodies, things like this. And we'll get into it. Interestingly enough, a lot of the stuff we're being told happened in Israel that I've yet to see any evidence of. But that also seems to be coming soon. I'll show you what I mean by that later in the show. Now, this is from York. Well, this is from Toronto Star. York University demands student union boards resign following Palestine statement. Now, this we keep seeing this. Right. So clearly there's an effort to kind of suppress the pro-Palestine, not pro-Hamas, pro-Palestine liberation, Palestine independence, which is legally protected. United Nations has always maintained it's an occupied territory because it is. And per the Geneva Conventions, an occupied territory has the right to armed struggle, armed rebellion. That one series of sentences is what you should remember. It's fact, easy to prove. And it ends the conversation. That does not say we support civilians being killed. The moment they try to conflate those things, be like, why are you bringing, I'm not even talking about that. The point is the action of what took place to rise up against Israel was legally protected. The moment somebody committed a crime, well, they should be charged for that. If every one of them did it, charge them for that. It still does not invalidate the act of rebellion. It's that simple. That's going to fluster a lot of people's feathers. But the point is it's the facts. It are, those are the facts. So, suppressing Palestine here. Here's what this person said. We keep seeing this. October 21st. They demand them to resign. What they say? We like that people got killed. We support Hamas. None of that. On October 12th, York Federation students, York University Graduate Students Association, and the Glendale College Student Union issued a statement in solidarity with Palestinian people. Quote, recently, in a strong act of resistance, Legal resistance, resist armed resistance. The Palestinian people tore down and crossed the illegitimate, because it is, border fence erected by the settler colonial apartheid state of so-called Israel. Now, it's gonna, they're going to call that racist, and it's going to bother lots of people. But again, guys, don't forget, it's the fact. Okay, It is an apartheid state. Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Bet Selim, which is an Israeli human rights group, all of them. The United Nations, I mean, it is an apartheid state. So it's not racist to call it what it is. 
and even people like uh, Sh- uh, uh, Avi uh, Avi Shalom. I feel like I'm forgetting his name. This guy. Iraqi Jews were convinced that Israel had a hand in uprooting them after the 1940s. I might play that later in the show. He's just talking about how Iraqi Jews were, and he even has Zionists who he spoke to when he was younger that told him that they were responsible for bombing the Jews to get them into what they wanted to call it. I mean, it's just there's so much obvious evidence. The point, though, is uh, well, yeah, he calls it an apartheid state in this conversation because of the Jew, the nation state law where they say this is for the Jews alone. And I mean, it's obvious stuff. The point is, it is. So, so far, yes, it's an illegitimate border fence because it's you're occupying an area and cutting them off from the rest of the country. And yes, it is apartheid. And yes, if they can, you can say so called Israel because it's an illegal occupation. Either way, you could assume you could pretend that means they're racist. Maybe some of them are, but you can't just claim that's racist. Everything in that is fact. Now it goes on to say these resistance efforts are a direct response to the ongoing and violent occupation of Palestine. Okay, so so far everything is not only legally supported, but also is in fact the reality. And on top of that, none of it is saying we don't care that Israelis were killed. In fact, I'm going to bet you that they care about that because most people that take a principled stance like this care about human rights. Ah, Shocking, right? Here's what they said. This statement has been widely interpreted. Okay, so your guys are ridiculous. So you're wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's what they meant. Yeah, that's stupid. But the point is they don't want to allow any pro-Palestine conversation. So when they see pro-Palestine, they go terrorist, racist. Because that's all you got when you're a manipulator. This statement has been widely interpreted as a justification for the attacking of civilians and called violence. Well, that's quite literally not at all what it said. But that doesn't matter, you see, because it's about narrative control. And you are going to scare people from standing up for what's right if you call them a racist anti-Semite. And then wage a massive campaign of canceling people and getting them fired from their jobs. And I mean, it's overwhelming. But this is my point. It's being suppressed and censored and controlled. And I'm going to get to a point later in the show where we can prove that Israel, the state of Israel, the Zionist state of occupying Israel is literally paying people online to state, to scream pro things about Israel and to say disgustingly negative things about Palestine. Verifiably, but it shouldn't surprise you at all. Now, before we get into everything, I thought this was really interesting. This is from uh, Nor Ode, hashtag no justice, no peace, which, by the way, is interesting. Because now it's being stated as a, you know, for some people for in regard to Palestine, they go CC terrorism. Now, for some people on the right, they're going to still say that because they said that was the same thing they meant when the Black Lives Matter groups were saying it and so on. But there's a lot of people who supported things like that and are now saying, look, 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 terrorists. And it just shows you the hypocrisy. It's all over the map, like always. There's people on the left that are supporting some part of this and, and support, you know, some people on the left that are in, actually taking what I argue is a balanced stance and saying, Crimes in Israel, but this is happening in Gaza, and we should care, and they get called a terrorist. But there's some people on the left that are just completely pro-Israel. I mean, on the right, there's pro-Palestine. I mean, they're always trying to force this into a paradigm thing, as always, but it's usually not the case anymore. You know why? Because people are waking up in lots of different ways. Don't forget, only, what, less than 2% of people even took the new shot? That's why they're like, well, let's, let's all focus over here, because we're failing, and we're going to go to jail if we don't focus on something else. Anyway, they point out, Palestinians do not view the, their plight. Now, first of all, this is this person's opinion. But quite frankly, I agree with this. I'm not going to say that there's not Palestinians that absolutely hate every Jewish person or every Israeli or want nothing to do with this. They want to just any, there's always going to be a person in any group that has the extreme view. 
Same thing on the Israeli side. Same thing in any side. But the point is, in my opinion, this very much does represent the larger movement. And from my experience, the, the, the average Palestinian, like, like I speak through people like Robert Inlakesh, or by the way, plenty of other people that I engage with online or know personally, and will tell you that this is absolutely repugnant to the idea and the, and the, the, not just religious perspective, but just ideological, just the way that they live their lives, integrity. Now, yes, I could be wrong about that, and so could they. But again, my opinion, if it matters to you, is that this is more accurate than anything else we're hearing. Palestinians do not view their plight for freedom as a Muslim versus Jewish war. If Israel defined itself as a Muslim state, Palestinians would still oppose its occupation and oppression. Think about that for a second. I agree with that. It's not about the only group really framing this, and I'm not talking about Hamas, I'm talking about Palestinians. He makes a point about Hamas as a religious war, like Lindsey Graham put it, is the extremist religious entities that are making a theocratic state right now in Israel. If Israel defined itself as a Muslim state, they would still oppose its occupation. The Israeli establishment, especially the right, insists on fomenting religious fervor. They're open about that by advancing a mess- messianic agenda that is openly hostile to the other, whatever that would be in this case, the Palestinians, in a zero-sum approach. You will hear some Palestinians refer to Israelis as Jews. That's where that comes from. Hamas has a religious ideology. To them, liberating Palestine is a religious duty for Muslims. That's clear. Now, let's not forget, by the way, who, who created them, Israel and the United States. This does not mean that they call for killing all Jews. Muslims view Jews as people of the book, as in religious. To paint Muslims as a nihilistic and anti-Semitic is a gross and hateful anti-Muslim trope. Do not engage in it. Criticizing Hamas ideology is fair, kindly based it on actual info. I mean, you have to respect a balanced stance like this, even if you disagree with it. You'll, you can find, I think it was Kyle Becker I saw showing some video of, Palest- they said we're Palestinian children, just saying things like we want to kill Jews or whatever else. I mean, the point is that you can always find examples like this, but to pretend that one thing represents all entities, it's the same as showing a Jewish person saying that we need to get rid of all the Palestinians. I'm objective enough to say that this does not represent every Jewish person or every Israeli. Why aren't you, Kyle Becker? Because they have an agenda, guys. It's obvious to me. But it says, I say this as a, a sec, this person goes on, I say this as a secular progressive feminist, objective facts, matter discuss ideas do not spread tropes which is basically all this is right now for most people online one can strongly disagree with mixing religion with politics as this person does she says or he does see i think it's i think well i thought it was a girl because of noir ed but maybe i'm wrong that person does but demonizing the religious is wrong painting people with a broad false brush is irresponsible geez that used to be basic logic not today not if you're the bad guy of the moment then we broad brush everything about you. Pretend like that's justified. She says, "What he, the person says, what is happening in Gaza and the West Bank is much bigger than Hamas or any other group. Anybody honest can point that out. This is an assault on Palestinians as people, regardless of their politics, as the UN experts warn. By the way, as you saw in the title, as they are now bombing the West Bank. That's not by mistake. Hamas is not in control of the West Bank. They're, I mean, it's very, it's very blatant what's happening right now. Palestinians are, it goes on, are majority Muslim, yes, and this is the part that most, especially in the right U.S. political side, don't understand, but our culture is a celebration of our rich history and heritage. Palestinians are Muslims, they're Christians, they're Samaritans, they're Druze, and much more. 
I mean, that's why people are shocked all of a sudden to see that there's Christian churches all over Gaza because there's a large Christian population. As I said before, Syria, before it got attacked, had one of the third, had the third largest Christian population of all the Middle East. Not anymore. Not, not like it was before anyway, because those places got targeted. Guess who? Now it says our, our holidays are celebrated jointly. And you can prove this. Same thing in Syria. Now, the point is that if you are trying to make them out to be religious extremists, well, that doesn't make much sense, does it? Our cuisine has, they're going to pretend all this is a lie, but again, this is easy to prove. Our cuisine, goes on to say, has fasting food in reference to food preparing during Lent. The examples are endless. Majority of Christians were dispossessed by Israel in 48 during the Nakba. Exactly. To understand the Palestinian collective, you have to keep in mind that Palestinians in exile are just as part of the society as those remaining in historic Palestine. It's about identity, not language or religion. That's really important. In Chile, third and fourth generation Chilean Palestinians still celebrate their Palestinian roots and identify as part of the Palestinian collective. So important. Now, let's not forget in the 48 Nakba, the ethnic cleansing, a lot of the Christian, I mean, in, in most of these cases, let's not forget that you can see Palestinian or uh, Israeli Zionist and, and Israeli Jews spitting at the feet of Christians all over. the. It's, a, it's seen as a classic uh, a custom that in some people's minds, not every Jew or every Israeli, but you can see it. And they'll state that's a classic custom. I mean, it's, it's very interesting. So ask yourself how somebody like Biden can call himself a proud Zionist and act like a Christian that runs this country. It doesn't make sense. They're contradictory when you understand what Zionists truly believe. Now, it says, of course, to end, that does not mean that Palestinians don't have their share of crazies and fanatics. Exactly, because this person has balance. There are, there, there are, they are there, but they are not representative, nor do they represent a significant block. But everyone's out to give you their opinion and frame it the way they want, just the way they like it, so they make you think a certain thing. But this is something they probably don't want you to see, which is that the Israeli population is just not what they, it's not all one group fighting Hamas. They want you to think that we're all supporting them and lockstep. It's not what's happening right now. As I've been making clear to show you from the beginning of this conversation. What's interesting though, is that it's a mix of people that think that they were responsible, possibly even involved with what happened on the 7th. But what seems to be the larger population group is simply that they're aware that Netanyahu allowed Hamas to grow for his own political benefit. And then either this blew back on him and it's his fault. On top of that, that he has been destroying this country primarily to get out of his four different indictments. And use the, the most religious extremist entity, the Z- religious Zionism party and a few others to make his coalition to be able to retain power. And the population, they very much see it. And that's why this is written by, the, by Haaretz. Netanyahu is an existential threat to Israel's survival. This is important because you will not hear this from any of the corporate media in this country or anywhere else that are blind, like blindly, just it, like, like a sycophant, just blindly supporting whatever Israel does without question, cheering on as they murder civilians. I mean, really just take a step back and ask what you would, if it's exact same dynamic, but the one bombing Gaza, I mean, I mean, literally the same dynamic. A group invades, kills their population, to some degree, however, I'm still waiting to see some confirmation about the actual number and anything else. We're getting daily videos and, and confirmations from the UN in Gaza. My point, though, is that a group in, in goes in, kills civilians. 
Then the entity that was invaded then goes on to continue for two weeks straight to murder indiscriminately an entire civilian population. Now, for sake of conversation, for the point, exchange Israel a lot with Iran. Do you think that what do you think the U.S. government would do if Iran did get invaded by anybody? Let's just make it make it the U.S. or U.S. entity ally. Killed people. Then they left. Then they went on to bomb a civilian area for 14 days, killing hundreds, thousands of civilians, thousands of children, members of the United Nations. Do you think they'd be like, we stand in solidarity with Iran? Do you think they would do that? Or let's just take somebody they even agree with to some degree. Anybody else in the world, this would not be going the same way. You have to recognize that. Because it's not right. What they're doing is illegal at every stretch of the imagination. And it shows you that they don't care about the law. Now, it goes on. This was written today. In 2012, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu presented a cartoon-like drawing of a bomb, which we've all laughed about many times, like, like a roadrunner, coyote, ridiculous thing, in an address to the United Nations and marked it on with a red pen to illustrate when Iran would have enough uranium to create a nuclear bomb that would, you know, and that was obviously a lie. He's done that numerous times. And the, and the date, he's like the, the climate change population bomb kind of manipulator. It's going to be five years from now. We're all going to die. And then it doesn't happen. He goes, it'll be another five years and it's all going to never happens. And you know, now we finally, which by the way, let's not forget Amano, the Japanese head of the international atomic energy agency who said Israel was trying to kill him before he later died. And then a new person got put in place. And for a brief moment, we were seeing some inflammatory statements, Whatever ended up happening, now it's where they said they do not have one. They're not trying to make one. And even the United States said that's true. So just think about that lie all the way back then. All they were trying to do was execute their agenda and trying to lie to get it done, which ended up killing hundreds of thousands of innocent Iranians. But they don't care. Let's not forget about that. Now, it says, since corruption charges were filed against Netanyahu in January 2020, Netanyahu himself became an existential threat to Israel pushing towards an equally dangerous red line. If at first Netanyahu's efforts were to weaken the state institutions in order to sabotage criminal proceedings against him, and this is the guy you're all supporting. What a great guy, right? By January 2023, he moved to dismantle them all together. The institutions of the state to make sure he doesn't go to jail. Because, you know, he totally wouldn't just kill civilians, right? reducing them to such a low level of functionality that Israel, in many aspects, began to resemble a failed state. This is scathing. Why did he do this, he asked? He believed that he was betrayed by the state itself. That's interesting. As some would put it, the deep state. Interesting. Now, is that what he's saying? Is he trying to tap into some other manipulation, or is that what he believes? Interesting. So according to his logic, it goes on, it was not only necessary to take control of its institutions, which, by the way, is, you're talking about a government head taking control of the very institutions that are meant to keep people accountable. Same thing's happening in this country, guys. We live under criminals. It goes on to say, but essentially destroy them. A key tool in this operation was his move to appoint loyalists with minimal qualifications, if any. So really take a minute and think about what this means in regard to their overlap and their appointment and involvement with things like Zelensky in the Ukraine or anywhere else, appointing loyalists with minimal qualifications to benefit themselves. That's classic U.S. foreign policy. Overthrow a country, put in a puppet that doesn't care, take advantage while he rips the country apart and we get what we want over and over and over. It's not new. 
The point is, he's doing this, and Israelis are sick and tired and screaming about it. And meanwhile, your governments around the world are saying, everyone in Israel is in lockstep to fight the bad guys, and we have to support them. And they're trying to get this guy out of office. Many of them screaming, you did this to us. Very, it's, 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 it's like, it, it's, you know what? It's the same old, same old. They say, we'll never allow two-state solution. Biden gets up and says, they want two-state solution, and the Palestinians won't let him. Over and over, we get lied to. This because the dysfunctionality has been evident to all, not outside of the country, apparently. Even as Netanyahu would say, it's easy to influence Americans. They're blind. They don't they'd be like they, they can influence you through the two-party paradigm and they know it. He's on the record saying that. Not exactly, paraphrasing, but yes. He goes on, it goes on to say, most clearly, the dysfunctionality most clearly seen first with the unrestrained, deadly rampage of criminal gangs in the Israelis' Arab towns and cities and unchecked violence by West Bank settlers towards Palestinians. Whoa, look at that. I thought that was conspiracy theory. I thought we were anti-Semites that were lying. Guys, this is a blatant reality that even Haaretz mainstream media in, the, in Israel write about, as people in Israel know about. What, we're, what this needs to show you is the same point that I was just making. There are plenty of Israelis, Israeli Jews and Israeli whatever else you want, anybody else. My point is there are Israeli Jews and other Israelis who very much see that this is not okay. They don't just blindly support violence against any Palestinian or Arab. What they're saying, even if it's just more, so more of a, if you do this, it will blow back on us. They still are pointing this out and saying, look, you're, you're roaming gangs of settlers. They're illegal settlers to begin with, according to the UN and even the United States. Then they give them weapons. That's what I was saying before. These are occupation forces. So when they came in and killed settlers who were armed and are part of this effort, then we have to realize that's a, that in, in the context of an international, international law, they would be considered combatants. But that's, that's for a court to decide. But the point is, it's not as black and white as to say that that's, that's where we get into the number of civilians they say were killed when this happened. I still don't think most of those were civilians. And I think that there's a credible argument to be made about why these people tried to avoid that, whether or not you think they're terrorists. There's, I've got to, I went in a whole deep dive on that with the evidence about the concert. It does not seem to be even remotely what they said happened. And I have a couple points of that today. But it goes on. And, and just, again, I don't want to miss that point, that we have roaming gangs of settlers with guns that aren't part of the police forces that are just charged with they could they're just mowing people down this isn't hamas this is in israel proper in west bank yes but not in gaza and now we're going to get to a part later with another bombing in the west bank but it says and since october 7th it's been seen in the agonizingly slow response of the state during the hamas massacre and also in the almost non-existence of its assistance to victims in the aftermath i mean it just sounds terrible what, what they're talking about is the opposite of what we're being told. They're not even helping their own people. While the Biden administration refrained from seriously intervening in the constitutional crisis that Netanyahu created, his judicial reforms and all of this he was doing to get himself out of prison, on October 7th, everything changed. When Hamas exploited it in one of the worst terrorist attacks in Western country has seen this century. Here's what's interesting. I mean, clearly, if, if that was one of the worst terrorist attacks that's seen this century, then what's going on in Gaza is 10 times that, clearly. But what's interesting, you should ask yourself, we should all ask ourselves whether this might have been an effort to do this, right? Netanyahu knowing he was in a bad spot and knowing that if Hamas did something, it would change everything, which it clearly did, but maybe it didn't work out the way he wanted it to. 
There's plenty of evidence to this. We know they created it. We know they've been funding it. They Even his own people are telling him, you propped them up, and now it's come back to bite you. So maybe that's what happened. Maybe this was an executed ploy that they then capitalized on. That was one of the earliest thoughts that I had. Not that everything was allowed to happen, but essentially they thought they were going to get a certain act. That's why they left things unchecked, only think it was going to be a little incursion, and then Hamas took advantage of it. Who knows? But what's interesting as it goes forward, it says, in what appears to be a combination of American interests against Iran's expansion in the Middle East. Think about how stupid that is. Iran's expansion in the Middle East? You mean where? Outside of Iran? Where are we talking about? Oh, okay, because they just assume that Hezbollah, which is not Iran, or the Houthis, which is not Iran, or any other group that they claim, like the PMU, which is not Iran, is somehow Iran's footprint. It's not true. Meanwhile... You know, you can see blatantly the U.S. stomping around the world and taking country after country for freedom, though, for freedom. But it's Iran's expansion. As far as I can tell, Iran is in Iran. And I don't see anything else happening other than their ideological agreements and their allies, which is not the same thing. Even if you want to say that they're involved with everything that's happening, it's not the same as expansion across the Middle East. That's what everybody else is doing, including Israel. It's just, it's just blatant. It's just stupid. But of course, it's Haaretz, so going forward. But it says, a combination of the interest against Iran and U.S. President Joe Biden's personal connection with the Jewish people and the state of Israel, as a Zionist, of course, the illegal state of Zionist Israel, he has decided to save Israel from an existential disaster that was created by both Netanyahu and Iran, apparently, through its ter- terror proxies. That's what they want to tell you. Hamas and Hezbollah. It's not true, guys. It's just not true. They're connections, they're ideologically connected, they support each other, but it's not the same thing, right? I mean, look, you can argue that the U.S. government influences all sorts of actions around the world. There's a fair argument to make that they're controlling them. But the point is, just because the U.S. sends weapons somewhere, does that mean that that is the U.S. proxy? It doesn't It doesn't guarantee that. It's a, it's a fair argument to make, but it, if you can prove, it's like saying because they sent weapons to any country, therefore they are, or even just allies, that therefore they are the United States. Right. It's a terrible example to use the U.S. because there's plenty of reasons to point that out. But any other country, the same point. But they just make that argument and they go with it, even though their own government has disproved that more than once in their own conversations that have been leaked. It's not true. But anyway, the point is that he decided to save them from this disaster. So my question again, was this an executed thing that went awry in order to try to force the hand of the United States to get involved to save Netanyahu, which they've done before? Oh, is the is YouTube already down? Doesn't surprise me. People are saying it's down. Let's look. Doesn't look like it. Yahoo. Nope. It's what live. Done before. It's live. What are you guys talking about over there? Oh, Wasting time. All right. So it says. Uh, And Germany has joined this mission, basically. Germany and the U.S. being an important part of this. Now it says, the existential disaster could unfold in the event of a serious military loss. If Israel, after internal disintegration under Netanyahu, had to face alone a multiple front war of Gaza, Hezbollah, and the North, and Iran itself. Now all of which is building because of Israel's actions. Now it wouldn't surprise me, by the way, if something, I mean, look, again, an illegal occupation. That means that the act to take it back is legal, not a tax on civilians, but a legal act of of armed rebellion with your allies included. 
This is legal under the Geneva Conventions or occupied territory. My point, though, is that it seems this might have been played early to draw in the United States to keep that to, to better their situation. It would not, it not seems that, but it seems that's likely based on what they're writing here. Now it says the existential disaster could also happen politically. If the Netanyahu government, which includes supporters of terror, genocide, and full apartheid were to conduct the war in Gaza independently too late, but just recognize what they're telling you there, guys, they're talking about his extreme right co- coalition. This is the Haaretz, Mainstream Israeli media who is telling you his government includes supporters of terror. That's the Zionist going back to the Lehigh Party and a group, many different other. Uh, the uh, there's the one that starts with an R. I can't remember. Zionism was founded with terror, guys. That that's where most of this comes from. I would be going to argue that even the whole building of ISIS and Hamas, these different groups, we can prove they're a part of is their ideology. But the point is then genocide and full apartheid. This is their mil- me- media making sure you understand that his government includes those things. But, but we're going to quibble about genocide in, in Gaza right now. We're going to debate that whether it's apartheid. They know it's apartheid. It's standing for you right there. In that case, the death toll of thousands in Gaza could rise astronaut- astro- astronomically higher. Yeah, that's what's happening, guys. And they know it, too. But your government tells you you're a conspiracy theorist if you point out what they're telling you is happening. That's how stupid it all is right now. It seems that both the Biden and schools administrations, that's in Germany, have decided to babysit Netanyahu and be hands-on his war planning. All this to ensure he does not fulfill the crazed wishes of its far-right ministers. But, but we're crazy for calling them extremists. Germany would not have otherwise taken the risk of arming Israel. Too late, though. It's already happening, guys. They're carpet bombing an entire civilian area. My point is, they know this is the reality, and they're trying to manage it, I guess, or at least that's the perspective from Haaretz. Quite frankly, I don't think they're doing anything. It says, massive crimes against humanity in the Gaza Strip by Israel could not only lead to untold death toll of Palestinians in Gaza, but also to the political and moral end of Israel itself. That's where this is going, and they see it. They are destroying any shred of respectability that they might have maintained with the lies about what they were doing to Gaza. Now it's all out in the open. Everyone around the world can very clearly see this. The only people still maintaining this is not the worst genocide we've ever seen in our lifetime are people that are like Ben Shapiro and the rest of them trying to pretend like we're being lied to or it's not the reality or everything they kill is justified because Hamas, which is just a childish argument. You're murdering civilians right now. And now we know who these people are. Even Haaretz, who points out a journal, a Palestinian journalist comforts his niece wounded in an Israeli airstrike on her family home. Is she Hamas? You don't just get to go, oh, well, Hamas might have been there. Which, by the way, they're not proving what they say. They just report that. Although both Germany and Biden in the United States frame their commitment to Israel as part of their commitment to the Jewish people's survival in the world, which, quite frankly, it seems that the Zionist government is making it harder for the Jewish people. This does not mean, of course, that they should allow Israel to conduct a policy of apartheid in the occupied Palestinian territories or turn a blind eye to its other discriminatory policies. Well, look at that. Certainly the reality is what they're doing. Isn't that just, it's just shockingly different than anything we hear in Western press, right? Now, here is a massive protest ongoing in Tel Aviv. This was from yesterday night demanding Netanyahu's resignation. And this is, there's 
protests all over the world against Netanyahu. Look at this, guys. They don't want you to see this. Now, here is an Israeli who spoke with Middle East monitor, or Middle East, uh, Middle East Eye, to tell you he wants this to end. He wants to help all civilians, just to make sure we understand that just because somebody's in Israel does not mean that they are all, we hate Palestinians and all Arabs are bad. That's what they, this is the kind of back and forth two-party illusion of this conversation that we're all being fed. There's plenty of people in that country that want this to stop for whatever reason. And this guy seems to care about those civilians. As you know, we've got a situation in which Israel is preparing for a ground offensive going into Gaza. What are your thoughts on the military response that we've seen from Israel this past week? Elena, I must tell you that I'm not crying for my parents. I'm crying for those who are going to lose their life in this war. We must stop the war. The war is not the answer. And I, I beg you, I beg all the viewers and listeners to do everything in, the, in, your, in their in your power to put pressure over, over everyone that is relevant to stop the war immediately, to freeze the situation. In our family, we are not seeking revenge. Revenge, revenge will just lead to another, to more suffering, and to more casualties. And even though it's the most horrible day, it was the most horrible uh, loss in in, civil, in, civ, uh, in lives in Israel since the uh, foundation of the country. I'm I'm afraid that the numbers can be much bigger, an enormous number, and we must do everything to stop the war. And I'm, I'm afraid for the soldiers, for the civilians from both sides in the Gaza, from Gaza and in Israel, that will pay uh, in their life. And this is why I'm crying. And this is why it was so important to me in this very hard time to go, to go with, uh, interview, on this interview and to cry to the world, stop the war. Please, just stop the war. Now, it's people like him who are currently being arrested in Israel because they don't take a hardline stance that Gaza should be annihilated. And that's not a joke. There's hundreds of people. There's a member of the Knesset that was removed from his position. A member of the State Department of the United States resigned because of what's happening. People are not they people who have morals are not okay with what's happening right now, regardless of why you think it's happening. That one catastrophic war crime does not justify an endless series of war crimes. The point is, that's an Israeli who even suffering is saying, look, I don't blame the civilians on that side, which is an honest stance. Now, here is Torah Judaism pointing out something I just want to make sure we don't miss. Judaism is not Zionism. Zionism is not Judaism. Jews are not Zionists. Zionists are not Jews. Anti-Zionism is not anti-Semitism. Israel is not our political nation state. Israel is not the country of the Jewish people. Zionism is a a distortion of Judaism. Now, these are Orthodox Jews. I believe this is in New York City, but they exist in Israel and get attacked all the time from the IDF. And they're in the UK and London and many different places. The reason you don't hear about this is because they, there's not much they can do. 
it's kind of hard to call an, an Orthodox Jew somehow anti-Jewish or a, a Jew hater or whatever they try to claim anybody else who says this. These people are just trying to get you to see that Zionism is the illusory part of this. And they don't support it. And they're trying to make you see. Just trying to show you that sign again. Judaism rejects any part of Zionist occupation. And their final sign just simply says again, these are all just Jews out there supporting this. Israel is not a Jewish state. It's important, guys. Check out the account. They're constantly talking about this. Now here, Michael Tracy points out, renowned socialist leader Bernie Sanders declares Israel has the absolute right to do whatever the hell it wants in the name of self-defense, and there's no debate to be had on it. Here's what he says. The mowing down by machine guns of young people who are doing nothing more than attending a dance, the murder of babies. This is an horrific, horrific act precipitating a worldwide crisis and the United States of America, all of us, condemn this act. And in my view, the state of Israel has the absolute right to defend itself against Hamas and terrorism in general. No debate on that. Now, if that was all you saw, sure. And this is a good, this is a good, a good lesson on how people can purposely manipulate, share something in one part. You know, that classic meme where it shows the image. It's hard to describe, but, you know, one side of it looks like a guy stabbing the other. You, you zoom back out and it's the reverse situation. You know, it shows the media perfectly, perfectly framing it to make it look the way they want it to. Good lesson on this. Here's Michael Tracy sharing this with his own statement about how he says he can do whatever the hell he wants to. What's interesting about that is he must have seen this other clip. It's the same group with the same headline. And that, that it even gets a fact check that says, well, this is only part of the video. Now, here's what's really interesting to me. Either this shows you that Michael Tracy did zero due diligence on this and just posted the video. Because <laughs> literally, the next part will entirely change his entire statement. If all, if all you heard was that, which at first I glanced at it, I said, oh, of course, that's disgusting. It's contradictory to everything Bernie pretends he stands for. But here's what he says next, which changes the whole meaning of it. But what I asked my colleagues to also consider is that why we fully appreciate the horrific attack by Hamas against innocent people of Israel, I ask you also to understand that right now, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of innocent men, women, and children in Gaza. There you go. Who have lost their homes. They've been thrown out of their homes. They have no food. They have no water. They have no fuel. And I remind my colleagues that half of those people are children. Nobody else is saying this. Half really. of the people in Gaza are children. So, yes, we are united in doing everything we can to destroy Hamas and their terrorism. But I implore you, do not take Hamas's inhumanity and brutality and terrorism against children who are three or five years old. I ask you to think for a moment. Now, here's what's that's interesting, right? Now, look. I he the way he says this, depending on how it goes forward, could argue that he's just giving him a green light with the, you know. But if you can, if you if you lay all that out in one statement, which is what it was, and not cut it in half like Michael Tracy did and make it seem like he only you know the point is he n nobody saying to defend yourself against Hamas 
is a fair statement. But that does not mean attacking civilians. That's what his his second half of the statement seems clear. I'm a no fan of Bernie Sanders, but what he said there is is a fair statement. The point is Hamas did bad things and they should be accountable. But bombing the entire civilian area or continuing to displace all of them or starving them is not justified, no matter how you spin this. So I find it really strange that Michael Tracy would go, maybe he just didn't see it. I don't know. But it's not, the point's not about him. There's so many bad p- people out there pretending. The point is, that's an interesting statement that gets cut in half, and all of a sudden it looks very different. But I'm surprised because the way he said that, I, I, I agree with ultimately. But, except for the fact that saying you have a right to defend yourself against Hamas is the statement being used to carpet bomb civilians right now. But the reality is you do have a right to go after the group that committed crimes in, against civilians. So going in with personnel and not hurting other civilians to try to find them is one thing. Bombing an entire area is another. But of course, I think we can argue that even if they went in on the ground, they would probably still indiscriminately hurt Palestinians like has gone on for 75 plus years. In any case, I thought that was an interesting lesson to see how easily that stuff gets manipulated. Now, you might have seen this here yeah, as Biden or as uh, Bernie and the rest of them are, you know, the point is U.S., Biden, President Biden asked Congress for a $105 billion national security package right now, including $61 billion more for Ukraine. You knew that was coming. And $14 billion for Israel. We give them almost $4 billion a year right now. That's a multi-year, 10-plus year package I think Obama put together. $14 billion more? They don't need your money. I mean, this is obscene. This is... More and more, I, I mean, this seems like an effort to collapse something. I don't know how in the world we think this much money flying out of this country is going to make any sense. This isn't coming back. We're, and it's not, it's, quite frankly, it's not going to fight in Ukraine or fight for any kind of freedom or any kind of independence or any kind of just action, guys. All of this is going to kill people. You are arming some of the most extremist entities on the planet right now. We need to make sure this doesn't happen. But quite frankly, they don't care what you think. It's probably going to happen anyway. But we still need to speak up and do something. So hopefully we can push these criminals out of power so this doesn't continue to happen with any, with, you know, absolutely no pushback. But here's what Israel said, of course, today, again, for the 47,000th time. Israel has the right to defend itself. Full stop. Was that really necessary? And as I said, well, name one nation on earth that does not have the right to defend itself. Go. (laughs) It's a stupid, meaningless, nonsensical statement everybody has the right to defend themselves. So the reason they keep saying that is to make you think what they're currently doing is defending themselves. It's not. It's genocide. doesn't matter how bad you think the first thing was. You don't just get to go over there and murder civilians back. That is called a war crime. Even, even if you believe what happened first was worse, it doesn't change that. Now, I then go on to say, now, after that, explain to everyone what the Bethlehem Doctrine is. If you don't know, look it up. And, wh- and I asked him, and why this, is, why this concept that you are using is just manipulative tech terminology and broken logic meant to claim attacking someone is preemptive self-defense. And that's where this really comes from. The UK, the United States, and Israel, and probably others at this point, are the ones that we know that in, in, they use this doctrine. What it means is if you have the, the, any intelligence that suggests you might eventually be attacked— then you can attack them and name it sem- It's preemptive self-defense. It's one of these Orwellian stupid terms. There's no such thing as preemptive self-defense. That's an attack. You attack because you thought you were going to be attacked, but still an attack. It's not self-defense, especially since in many cases we've proven that they was never going to be an attack and they lied about it. So this is what we're really talking about. And they know that. 
but it doesn't matter, guys. This is a whitewash. Now, in regard to some shipments going through, which it does seem has happened, and getting into some of the more horrific things that have happened in general, as of eight hours ago today, a second shipment of 17 trucks bringing aid into Palestine apparently has crossed into Gaza, as one yesterday apparently happened. But here's what we, and this is according to Egyptian media. I know, again, I'm, we're, I'm being told that these were being inspected and that it was, in fact, aid. One important point I'll get to in a minute is no fuel, which kind of puts a whole minute. If they don't have any fuel, it stops a lot of this from being meaningful anyway, especially if they have water, which is not drinkable unless they treat on and on. The point is that you are not giving them ultimately what they need. The fuel is needed for the hospitals, for transportation, for a lot of different things, for eating. But I'll get into that in a second. My point on that, first of all, was that apparently, yes, we have seen some aid go through. But that is after two weeks of nonstop indiscriminate bombing in every possible area, including I shouldn't. It's not literally every possible area, but including the areas where they told them to go. The south, the crossing itself, hospitals, the U.N. locations. So let's not pretend like they're not indiscriminately bombing and even aiming at civilians. Robert reported on the 19th, Israel is already creating pretext for bombing the, the aid convoys when they eventually let them in. They'll allegedly hit them, quote, if Hamas gets close. That's not what he's claiming. That's what they're saying. But the whole government in Gaza are technically connected to Hamas. So if they help distribute, Israel can strike and blame Hamas. He's just pointing out a logical fallacy or a logical possibility, which they might use to exploit this. Now, the point is, it does appear that they've come through, but... First of all, here it is on, this is from today. Look at this reporting from France 24. This doesn't say Hamas, guys. This is Gaza. Score, well, I mean, technically scores, scores killed in Gaza as new aid convoy arrives. Those are civilians we're talking about here, guys. We're not talking about Hamas. They're just, every single striker's killing and untold amounts of Gazans. And everyone seems to know that now. And now we've just skipped over into, well, it's Hamas's fault. So let's just keep going. This is atrocious. I mean, this is going to go down in history as one of the most revelatory. Like, they've exposed who they really are. One of the most revelatory and just obscene war crimes. Not even blinking an eye as they just murder entire generations of families. But then, of course, this, which is today. It's 10 a.m. this morning. As those aid trucks are coming through, Rafa Crossing bombed. As the second aid convoy that we just talked about enters Gaza, two Egyptians have been wounded in the attack. Now, it does appear some aid got through. Now, was that an attempt to stop it? Was this a warning to stop more? Because understand, this is a, I'll get to it. I think it's about 4% of what's needed. So this is a band-aid on a bullet hole. So, and it does appear that that's all they're going to let through, at least at the moment. So it's an illusion. It's about pretending we're helping and then stopping and bombing the crossing so nobody can, I mean, that's what's happening. Here's from Reuters. Egyptian army says border guards hurt in accidental hit by Israeli tank. <laughs> so this was on top of the bombing of the crossing for what, like the fifth or sixth time? But then they also accidentally let off an, a tank fire that hurt somebody on Egyptian side. <laughs> that doesn't seem like much of an accident when the timing is exactly in line with what's look, it's right when this happened. They even put out a point from the IDF that says a short while ago, an IDF tank accidentally fired and hit an Egyptian post adjacent to the border of the crossing. This is the this is the the border area of Karim Shalom. The incident is being investigated and the details are under review. 
The IDF expresses sorrow. Oh, really? I mean, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, really, what it seems to me, maybe that was an attempt to hit the, hit the aid, who knows? But ultimately, it's a statement, I think. Now, this is going back to the 13th and the 12th before it to show you what was already going on, to not forget. that. I mean, th- this is why it's been two weeks, guys. People could have starved by now, understand, or died of thirst, more likely. The Turkish Red Crescent have begun an aid convoy of trucks through Egypt for Palestine. They intend to cross through Rafah into southern Gaza. Israel has promised to bomb the aid convoy on its arrival. I showed you that earlier on, and this was the actual post from one of them saying, look, we're not going to let any of this through no matter what. Now, I guess that has happened now. And then the link to the actual article from Times of Israel. Thank you, Tori, for supporting this. Egypt urges Israel to stop bombing Rafah crossing so they can allow aid. That's why it hasn't been happening. They haven't been letting it happen. Now, the United States government apparently are the ones that said, please let it through. And uh, Blinken even points this out. But after two weeks of nonstop bombing, which has targeted U.N. buildings, churches, hospitals. Now, look, you could pretend that which they're trying to do when anybody even cares to ask. Some of them don't. That they're going to say Hamas was there, even though they'll later tell you that they're in the tunnels beneath it. But, you know, we're bombing. So they're probably just bombing residential buildings to try to collapse on top of these tunnels, most likely, which means they're purposely hurting civilians to stop Hamas. But the point is. There was something else. (laughs) The point is ultimately that they are continuing to bomb the civilian areas, that they've continued to bomb the crossing. They've continued to threaten to bomb the aid and they are killing civilians in the process. There was another point in there, but I forgot, but I think it was ultimately about the bombing of the built, the tunnels. I forget. Now the point here is Sprinter points out something that's going to make you pretty frustrated. About 45 transport planes have carried military aid to Israel. They landed at the Israeli airport in support of the the war on the Gaza Strip. Not Hamas, but the 90% civilians, however, whatever you want to break it down to, it's just my number I pulled out of the air, but vast majority are civilians. A plane with military medical vehicles and medical equipment landed at the airport. About 1,000 tons of weapons have arrived in Israel in the recent days. So you're sending medical equipment to Israel. <laughs> and not and you're not letting anything through Gaza because that makes sense right i mean it's just a, it's just a slap salt salt in the wound but you know what they did make sure to send Gaza lots of body bags almost like that's supposed to i mean like like i mean maybe from some level of like a public health side of it but how is that not not only insulting but yeah we're aware they're murdering lots of civilians here's some bags for them but we're going to pretend like we don't care in the media The U.N. prides itself for sending body bags as part of the 20 relief trucks to the 2.3 million victims in Gaza who are under genocide. The message, we cannot help you live, but we can at least help you die. Dan Cohen points out, Israelis are sharing on social media an image of a military bulldozer raising all of the Gaza Strip into the sea. If this was reversed, they would call it racist. You know it, and they do. They have. They want genocide, he writes. He also writes, wow, it's this is what they're stating in their conversations about this image underneath it. Wow, it's even prettier than I imagined. Destroy every male in the Gaza Strip. That's what the sentiment is, guys. Civilians and everything alike. Yes, please. That's what it says. This one says, my daughter's version. An Israeli mother posts her child's version of a post-Gaza genocide Gaza reconstruct, reconstructed into a U.S.-style suburban strip mall with Starbucks, Target, Disneyland, Sephora, and Dunkin' Donuts. Guys, it's disgusting. 2.5 million people, 50% children. 
It's just gross. These people want to murder all of them. I, I, I'm not, you have no idea how many of these I could have shared today. Pictures of these terrified children shaking in shock. They can't even focus their eyes because they're, I mean, it's just disgusting. But it's, it's just all emotional manipulation, ultimately, even though it's real. Right? The point about the facts. There's children scared in every situation. The point is, though, that they are actively doing this every moment to the entire civilian population in Gaza right now. Now, Wyatt Reed also points out the AP has deleted a very important part of this article. As the Grade Zone writes, as Israel officials proudly compare their bombardment of Gaza Strip to the Allied firebombing of Dresden, the Associated Press has quietly removed a section noting U.S. alarm over the historical comparison. Right. And this is the important part of this, guys. This was the quote. U.S. officials familiar with the discussion said American diplomats became increasingly alarmed by the comments from their Israeli counterparts regarding their intention to deny water, food and medicine, electricity to fuel to Gaza, as well as the inevitability of civilian casualties. See, they're trying to kind of water this down. The point is that everybody with a conscience, which is all throughout even the, the governments of these, these controlling powers. Who are, who are outraged. You know why? Because that's a war crime. Despite all the screaming of people on Twitter and certain extremist levels of our government acting like it's Hamas's fault, it's not debatable. It is a war crime. Your collective punishment is happening to the entire area. And what this is, is the diplomats who are there, who their job, they, at least they think so, is to create peace, were alarmed by the fact that they were openly, the so-called diplomats of Israel, openly discussing what they were going to do and discussing how those actions would kill civilians. That should alarm anybody who pretends like these are people fighting for freedom and human rights and a rules-based international order. You know what they did? They got them out of the way. And then AP deleted the tweet or the quote because that's what's happening right now. Now, on six hours ago, information, under, uh, the, the story goes, and I, I'll get to why I say that in a minute, U.S. presses Israel to delay its ground incursion to allow more time to, for hostage talks. You mean all the hostages that are probably dead because they bombed everywhere in Gaza with no concern for what was going on? Yes. And this is interesting about the idea of this hostage exchange I'll get to after this last segment. Because I think that most of these hostages have been killed, or some, many of them, and I think the point is to then use that to justify more action. And I'll show you what I mean in a second. The bottom line is the U.S. finally says, hey, let's pause after 14 days of indiscriminate bombing to have more talks. Because I think they see the writing on the wall and they see that people know they've earned. It's too late, though. It's far too late. This is going to stick with you for the rest of your life because of what you did. But also, this isn't going to happen, guys, without the support of the United States. I mean, on the ground support. It won't. Because what's I'll, I'll play a clip at the end today, but the bottom line is they failed in 2014. They got destroyed, and they they framed it a different way. They've multiple times butted up against Hezbollah, and they do not have they they have lost. So right now, if they push into Gaza, they're going to bring in the actions from from Hezbollah, which is by the way already uh, the Israel's occupying parts of Lebanon, guys. So Leb Lebanon has an equal part in what's going on here, but the point is just because of Gaza, yes, they're because they support them, they'll get involved. And that might draw in Iran, that might draw in Syria, Russia and China, the whole there's a lot to go there. That's why I think the US is very concerned because they if they they'll go down with all of it. As the government, I mean, and the actions there, you'll risk American lives. But 
Israel's desperate, I think, to make it seem it's just about to happen. So then the U.S. feels it has to go in to help. And then the point is, though, I don't think it's going to happen unless there's ground support. But we'll have to see. Hopefully not. Now, there's a lot being pulled into this. And I think it's very important. to. See. I think they want the narrative to look like everyone around the world is attacking Israel. When in reality, it's sort of the reverse. In regard to the U.S. government and the other governments that are actually marching around the world and destroying things for their own benefit. But nonetheless, we have narrative spun around. When I say narrative, because I don't, for all I know, this didn't even happen. But it wouldn't surprise me. One thing you're going to notice as we go through this is there's one common thread. There's one group, and, it's, and in this case, it's not even Israel in my mind. I mean, all, they're involved, obviously. But specifically, the U.S. government. In every one of these locations, they're going, they're firing on us. Well, maybe because you're illegally occupying their countries. I don't know. Maybe. So at what point do we stand back and go, okay, this is the one group that seems to be the thread through all of it. And we, in every circumstance, can prove that they're illegally occupying or illegally bar, uh, in sieging or bomb or, you know, um, uh, blocking off their port, collective punishment. I mean, any of those things. And then you cry foul when they launch a rocket at you. Same kind of thing we're talking about today. CNN. First on CNN, U.S. Navy warship near Yemen intercepts missiles. Now, the point also is they're desperate to make you think that they're all the same team. And really, when they want to, blame it all on Russia. Right? Really, even really Iran is sometimes they, when it's more of an Israel focus, it's Iran behind it all. But when they, what's more of a U.S. focus, it tends to be more about Russia, at least in the moment. But both of them are together whenever they want that to work. The point is, there's no evidence truly of any of them being direct embodiments of either. They're allies. They're even then, even more, most cases, just ideologically aligned. But here's what it says. Ryder said the Pentagon cannot say for certain at this point what the missiles and drones were targeting, but said that they were launched from Yemen and were heading north along the Red Sea. Sure. And this is potentially towards Israel. <laughs> So we have no idea, but let's just go ahead and lob Israel in there because we want you to think that. The point is, you, these are groups that are occupied, that are manipulated. Saudi Arabia is involved. The Houthi forces, they say Iran-backed Houthi forces, which it depends on how you want to frame that. The way they mean that is that they're Iran. Iran supports them because they're, one, illegally occupied, and they're the population supported by the people, not the president that sits in Riyadh that is never going to get power again, that's in Saudi Arabia, that's a U.S. puppet, but the people of Yemen support the Houthis. They support them fighting back for their... And that's not to say that they're not... You know, you could look at them like Hamas if you want to. The point is that they are the group that's fighting against the occupier, so most people support them. In this case, it's not Iran. My point, though, is that they fired this, and you could argue it's in support of what's going on in Israel. It wouldn't surprise me. But either way, they have an right... To respond, the incident was one of a series in recent days with the U.S. bases being targeted in, by drones in Syria and Iraq. Now, look, it's funny that we never asked the question. For we, for all we know, that could be Mossad carrying this out in order to force the hand of the United States. And if you don't think that's possible, you are a child in the conversation because this is literally something that they're all capable of. So think about that for a second because we just talked about the idea of this being important for Netanyahu to maybe stave off, stave off going to prison let alone lose his government. But the point is that this is necessary for the U.S. to be involved for many different reasons. So it would make sense for to make this happen. And we know that Israel bombs Syria all the time. It's happening right now. But what's the same thread? Who's occupying Syria? The United States government. Who's occupying Iraq? The United States government. Are they legal? No. 
Neither of them. The United States government is occupying both illegally and the United States, United Nations has always maintained that. Period. So same point. And when one of these groups bombs one of their bases, it's not a terrorist attack. It's a right of armed rebellion. Now, I'm not saying that because I want Americans or anybody to die. The point is that's just the legal reality. And if, you're, can't, if you can't be honest about the legal reality because of your personal political sides, then you're not honest. Simple as that. And increasing tensions in the war in Israel and Hamas continues. That's all coming back together. And, and now I think we do have an example of them claiming to speak up and say that's what it's for. I couldn't confirm it the other day. But it says, on Wednesday, two drones targeted the Altamf garrison in Syria. Again, an area where they're provably training extremists. And in many cases, were holding refugees that they wouldn't let go. And while they were there being raped and stolen from, I mean, there was international monitors writing about this stuff. Where U.S. and anti-ISIS coalitions are based. What a lie. If you think for one second they were ever truly fighting ISIS, then you're, again, an infant. On Tuesday, U.S. forces defended against three drones near U.S. and coalition forces in Iraq. Right, so both it's happening all over the place, and both these places are illegally occupied. Our, fo- our forces, our focus is going to be continuing to ensure we are deterring a potential broader regional conflict. Again, that's my point. Okay, so let's just say there was going to be a broader regional conflict. Well, who's responsible for that? Right? Are we arguing that they are just would be bombing each other? That's a sure as hell what they want you to think. Well, they've been fighting each other for centuries. That's not even accurate, guys. The point is they are attacking the occupier in every single location we're looking at right now. Without all the emotional pl- propaganda, it's pretty clear what's going on. Now, here is the Associated Press. This is from today. Israel strikes Gaza, Syria, and the West Bank. As war against Hamas threatens to ignite other fronts. Well, is it the war against Hamas doing that? Or is it you guys bombing all these locations and the illegal occupation of all of them? It's kind of hard to miss the reality. That doesn't justify attacks on civilians, but it sure as hell does legally allow armed rebellion against military forces. But every time they attack, they go, terrorism! We need to start thinking about that, guys. It's very irresponsible. Israeli warplanes struck targets across Gaza, civilians, two airports in Syria, civilians, illegal war crime, and a mosque in West Bank, allegedly used by militants. You know what? No, I do have it highlighted. I, was, I don't think I remember it allegedly being there, but I have it highlighted, so I can't say that. But it says, as the two-week-old war with Hamas threatened to spiral Sunday into a broader conflict. They, I mean, they really love to make that kind of conflate, but it could be the case. It wouldn't surprise me at all that they would kind of act up in support of Gaza. It seems to be kind of the reverse right now. As Israel's been bombing Syria every Tuesday for the longest time. I'm just being kind of facetious. All the time. Airports, guys. Why is that not a big deal? You have to understand, is Hamas in those airports? Or it's, it's not the truth. That's not what they're claiming. Is Iran's not there. This is Syrian domestic civilian airports. And they bombed them. And nobody cares because, oh, Syria, bad guy. So it just doesn't matter. Their rights don't matter. Same thing's happening to Gazans right now. Crazy. But it says, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu told troops in northern Israel that if Hezbollah launches a war, quote, it will make the mistake of its life. And we'll laugh about that at the end of the show today. We will cripple it with a force it cannot even imagine. It's just, it's just ridiculous. They, they don't, they're all laughing when they read that. And they know that too. This is a, this is a bluster that is not real. 
For days, Israel has been on the verge of launching a ground offense. Oh, for days, have they? <laughs> we're just inching. We're waiting for the right. I mean, what, what do you mean? For days, they've been on the verge of. What did that even mean? Are they waiting for something? Are they waiting for more troops? Are they waiting for U.S. backing? That's what they're waiting for. It's not going to happen, in my opinion, without more support because they know they can't achieve this. But they sure as hell want people to think they're about to because I think they're trying to goad people into joining this effort. Israeli authorities said late Sunday they had allowed a second batch of aid into Gaza at the request of the United States. Yeah, good job, U.S., after 14 days of bombing civilians. Also, they bombed the crossing as that happened. Now, here's what's interesting. The, the Associated Press has the nerve to mention the United Nations, refugee, the, the basically the Palestinian Refugee Agency of the U.N., only saying they've confirmed 14 trucks. Oh, I guess you missed the part where they bombed their locations and killed 30 of their students and 22 of their people. Great journalism, guys. That's cowardice is what that is. Nobody's mentioning that. No one's talking about it. You know why? There's no covering that up. There's no Hamas was there because these are documented locations where internationally held where Israel is given the coordinates. They knew what they were attacking. We'll get to that next. Israel has not allowed any fuel to enter. So this is a kind of an illusion. Food, water, and as I'll get to in a second, 4% of what they need. So nobody's really being helped truly, if it even really gets to where who needs it, but no fuel, right? So there's no heating. There is no cooking. There is no, any, I mean, it's, there's no generators. There's nothing that, there's babies on incubators. There's people with monitors. There are elderly people. There's people that have needs in hospitals. They're running out. In fact, it's already out in most places. Goes on to say the Egyptian military said Israeli shelling hit a watchtower, that's what we were just reporting on, in Egypt's side of the border, causing light injuries. The Israeli military apologized, saying a tank had accidentally fired. How does that even happen? The incident's being investigated. The UN, humanitarian agency known as the OCHA, said Saturday's convoy, the one yesterday, carried about 4% of the, eight, the average day's imports before the war and a fraction of what is needed after 13 days of complete siege. Now, I don't know what added on the last trucks that came through, but arguably if the first one was 4%, I mean, at best, we could probably say under 10% of the total need. But I don't know. I haven't seen the numbers yet. Bottom line is, it, this is what they said next. The Israeli military said the humanitarian situation was under control. Oh, good. So after indiscriminate bombing of civilians, killing thousands of children, thousands of women, not even mentioning men, civilians, UN locations, hospitals, schools, mosques, all churches, but we care about the humanitarian situation. It's under control. My God. Now what the point, the point is the UN is calling for 100 trucks a day, a day, right? Let's realize they let, where was it? Hold on, did I just, where did I just miss that? Right here. Shoot, how much was it? Oh, right here, sorry, 17 trucks. They let 17 trucks through, just so you understand what's needed. 17, okay? The United Nations is demanding 100 a day. So that's where we get this number that's basically a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. They asked for 100 a day, they said, we got it. It's under control, shut up. Israel repeated its calls for people to leave northern Gaza. Now, it doesn't matter how many times they say this. Now, realize they've been saying it for a long time. Then they bombed southern Gaza more than once, including uh, Khan Yunus and numerous locations they told them to go to, including hospitals and churches where they're taking shelter. 
So God forbid people, they're going to stay where they are because they know that's happening. But on top of that, some of them didn't want to leave a third, fourth time and lose all of their possessions as people are telling them they're never going to come back. On top of that, just because you ask them to leave does not then justify bombing those areas, which is what they're claiming. And some of them can't leave. That's the biggest point. That's what the UN is telling them. We can't leave these locations. We've got 400,000 people here who cannot go however many tens of miles it takes to get there. But they don't care. And I'll, that's what, that's, I'll get to that in a second. They dropped leaflets from the air. It estimated 700,000 already fled, but hundreds of thousands remain. That would raise the risk of mass casualties on the ground offensive. Like they're already asking like this is some kind of compromise. Like, well, there's going to be some civilian... Ca- no, that's crazy to me. If you're, if you're going in on the ground, understand that they're, the, the idea... Like, what they're doing right now is what I'm talking about. The idea that they are bombing all of this and nobody cares about the ongoing civilian... Ca- why do they care then about what happens after that? It just doesn't make any logical sense. And everybody who with any compassion knows that. But I'll get to the, the leaflets in a second that makes it very clear. It doesn't say, please get out of the way because we worried about your lives. It says, if you stay here, we're going to kill you. That's what it says, because that's what really is. That's what's really happening. The WHO says at least 130 premature babies are at grave risk, right? So all the conversations, whether you think they're real or not, about children with their heads getting cut off, which still we've proven that to be false, and yet nobody looks back and doesn't care. But how about just the babies and incubators story they lied about all that time ago? We're looking at a real version of that right now. Thousands of children already killed. They're telling you that 130 babies in incubators can't just walk away because of a shortage of generator fuel. Gee, didn't they just say we're not going to send any fuel? So there you go. It's almost a guarantee that they're killing babies. It said seven hospitals in northern Gaza, now on top of the thousands of babies and children that have died because of the bombing. It said seven hospitals in northern Gaza have been forced to shut down due to damage from strikes. Lack of power and supplies or Israeli evacuation orders. But strikes, guys, they're bombing hospitals. Not because Hamas is there, but because they're bombing hospitals. AP can point it out. The UN can point it out. But yet we're conspiracy theorists when we say it on when corporate media frames it. Airstrikes also smashed through the marketplace in the Nusrat refugee camp. Witnesses said at least a dozen people were killed. A marketplace in a refugee camp. But I guess the Hamas, right? Yeah, because that's what he'll say. And that's what they'll say. You're a conspiracy theorist. Hamas did it. There's just no arguing with this, guys. We're watching an extremist action backed up by extremist sycophants. Israel's military has said it is striking Hamas fighters and installations and does not target civilians. Sure. That goes that that falls like a lead brick. I mean, this is obviously false. I mean, no other reason needed than the United Nations building. There's no confusing that they knew it was there. They have the the coordinates. They've told them they've contacted them saying we're here and we have civilians with us. And they bombed two of their locations already, killing their own people. This is my point, guys. There's no of course don't target civilians. It's a lie. Based on a thousand examples, including policies to target children long before this ever started. U.S. Secretary of State Blinken. Here's what he actually said. I want to punch something when I read this. To CBS, he said that Hamas was responsible, not just for its brutal rampage on southern Israel, which is what they're only responsible for, but the deaths of civilians in Israel's attacks on Gaza. He actually said that. 
He says, quote, it knew that in Israel's necessary response, civilians will be caught in that crossfire. Crossfire? I only see one bombing campaign taking place. Now, just because rockets are flying in response that are barely causing any damage, it does not mean that you can carpet bomb civilian locations, especially if you want to parade yourself around as the only democracy in the Middle East and act like you're somehow better than the bad guys. At best, you're exactly the same if you frame they're doing the same thing because you're doing the same thing. Blinken is a maniac. I mean, we need to see this, guys. These people that could back this up, again, if it was any other country in the world, let alone one of the people they don't like, do you think they would justify that? Say, well, they knew they'd be bombing civilians, so Syria is not responsible because the bad guy. I mean, really, it's just that stupid. You're taking action. Not because you're, you're taking action that you know will kill civilians, you know will kill hostages, you know will kill four to 600 Americans that are present, you know that will kill innocent people anywhere. And Blinken says, well, that's Hamas's fault. He said the militants were operating among the civilian population and its tunnels were buried under hospitals and schools. There's your point right there. So are they the schools or hospitals? No, they're under them. Okay, so we'll blow up the buildings so they can be trapped in the tunnels. This is literally what he said. What does anyone expect Israel to do? Oh my God. This, I mean, guys, that, that is genocide. What do we expect them to do? Go after them. Go in. Like the idea that you can just argue that carpet bombing, I mean, isn't the whole point that they need to go in anyway? So what do you argue they're doing right now? These people are, the, these are villains, guys. These are villains. If you're going to pretend like that's an okay statement, then you are whitewashing genocide. No matter how bad you think happened in the first place, no matter if it was the worst possible thing in the world. I mean, let's put it this way. If Hamas went in and killed half the population of Israel, it still does not justify doing the same thing in reverse. It doesn't matter how bad the atrocity is. It's still an atrocity. You're still committing war crimes. The point would be to then go get Hamas and hold them accountable for it, not pay it back to the civilian population. Because we have to understand, that's what's happening because that's the choice being made. And Blinken is okay with that. Syrian state media, meanwhile, reported that Israel airstrikes hit the airports, which even AP is reporting. That's a war crime, guys. Is there Hamas over there? No, they're just bombing the airports because they think it's some kind of strategic move. In Damascus, a civilian airport, and the northern city of Aleppo killing one person. Civilian. Oh, I guess we just don't care about the Syrian civilians because bad guy Syria, right? I thought U.S. was fighting for the civilians of Syria. Oops. Nobody cares. That lone civilian is going to drift into the background because it's not an Israeli civilian on Netanyahu's side. The Israeli-occupied West Bank, 93 Palestinians have been killed. 93. That's not the same conversation here, but of course, Americans who don't want to think about it are going to pretend it's all Hamas bad guys. No, this is part of Israel proper. And it says, including eight Sunday in, guess what? Clashes with Israeli troops, arrest raids, and attacks by Jewish settlers since the Hamas attacks. We just went over this. Their own newspapers writing about the Jewish settlers mobbing around murdering Palestinians. No one's going to care about that either. Now here, the cradle reports Israel airstrikes in the vicinity of Al-Quds Hospital in Gaza. Now the point is, guys, this keeps happening. People are being killed. And because, like, well, I'll get into the example about the hospital later, the other one, in regard to, oh, here's the building. It's like, okay, just because we're saying that the area was bombed 
does not mean that the building not being destroyed does not tell you this. I'll get into what happened. And I'll even get into how Israel's admitting that they targeted, they claim an area that was close to it. And because of that, it killed hundreds of people that were close to the hospital, including the area around it. The bottom line is these are not areas that are supposed to be bombed. All hospitals in the Gaza Strip received warnings from the Israeli military to evacuate, and then they bombed the hospitals, even though all these people we just told you can't leave. This one it doesn't seem to have been bombed yet, but I'm willing to bet you that it will be. And then when they do, they're going to say Hamas was there. Breaking, Sarah reports, this was yesterday, Israel's intensely bombing Gaza and South Lebanon right now. Israel also bombed the Rafah crossing on the 21st. It bombed it again today, preventing humanitarian aid from crossing. Only Israel can bomb three countries at once, and, and the international community doesn't even bat an eyelash. Today, or This was later that day. Israel's now bombing the international airport of Aleppo, again, bombing four countries in a single day, Palestine, Lebanon, Egypt, and Syria, while screaming the victim at the same time. Now, let's not forget, guys, to understand what they've already done. This is not up for debate. This is Human Rights Watch. This is of October 12, 2023, confirming both. Israel has used white phosphorus in Gaza and Lebanon, using a grave risk to civilians. These are war crimes. There's no debate. It's proven to be abused. It's been investigated by multiple groups, including Human Rights Watch. And it's a fact. And guess what? They say that's not true. So maybe reflect on the fact that they're liars. Guys, that's what's happening. Here's another example in Lebanon. There's no, there's no, mis it's, it's obvious what that is. During the day, in a civilian area. Now, uh, Almighty in English points out, rockets hit the U.S. al-Assad as resistance axis gradually joins the Gaza war. Now it says the Islamic resistance of Iraq declared earlier this week that the faction, quote, will not stand idly by in the face of the ongoing genocide against the Palestinians. So there's, that's what Alamadine is arguing that they were stating. Now that would be the PMU largely, I would argue, but there's other groups as well. The point is that they are, are fighting against the occupier. Interestingly enough, the same kind of organization of occupiers in the same areas. They have a legal right to do so, not kill civilians, but as horrible as it is, if they, if they end up killing people that are occupying the area who are military personnel, that's a legal action. Of course, they'll call it terrorism and they'll fight back. I'm not hoping or justifying that Americans or anybody dies. The point would be if they do, it's because of the U.S. government's belligerent war tactics and the illegal occupation that is ongoing to steal, guys, to steal and occupy and control, not for the benefit of anybody other than the government. Let's not forget that Amnesty International has also verified civilian attacks, telling people where to go and then bombing those locations. Verified six videos of attacks resulting in civilian casualties. The route the Israeli army had designated safe for civilians to flee, ordered them to go, and then they bombed the area. We already went over this, killing women and children. Everyone sees this except people that are blinding themselves to it. Then we get to the, the point that I just still can't get past. They just posted this. This was today. It is now confirming 29 of its colleagues in Gaza have been killed just since the 7th. 29 members of the UN since the 7th. Can you imagine this in any other conversation? They're, you're not even reporting on this anywhere. The governments or the media, just nothing. Half these colleagues were teachers. And as an agency, we are devastated. We are grieving with each other and the families. And it must be even worse, compounded by the fact that nobody seems to care who usually screams about this stuff. My point was, now confirmed, 29 members have been killed 
due to indiscriminate bombing, half of which were teachers. And this doesn't even include the 30 plus school school pupils that were killed alongside them. And And it's more than that than the last time they reported it. Where's the international condemnation? Like calling that out does not mean you don't care about the Israelis. What it means is you're a dishonest person. Or that you don't care about life in general. Ask Tedros. Our hearts go out to the UN colleagues as we grieve the profound loss. Ceasefire plea. I don't even know what that weird ceasefire plea. (laughs) To end the unbearable suffering endured by those living and serving in Gaza, we urgently appeal for a ceasefire. No time. Who did it? Who, I mean, where's the condemnation, Tedros? Don't you always scream for everyone to condemn the bad? Who killed those people? Was it an act of God? I mean, call, and here's what's interesting is calling for a ceasefire is what's getting everybody else fired from their jobs, accused of anti-Semitism, called a, called a terrorist. That, that is a, a wishy-washy, weak, feckless statement because that's who he is. Call for a ceasefire. That's can we call for de-escalation on both sides, which is always where it ends up. I told you this in the beginning. Remember that? When, when this is what's happening, that's what they do. We call for a ceasefire. When it's the other way around, they call, they condemn Hamas, they condemn everything, they call for action against them. It's a one-sided game. And what they end up allowing is killing Gazan civilians. Now, the UNRWA has also pointed out they'll run out of fuel in three days. On the 25th, they'll run out of fuel. 400,000 plus people that they're helping and they'll run out of fuel. Because guess what? They just made sure none would come in. Without fuel, there will be no water. No functioning hospitals and bakeries. See my point? They can bring in 4% of food and water, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a joke. You're, and then you ensure the thing they need to make sure they can even use most of those things. It says, without fuel, there will be no humanitarian assistance. They know this, guys. That's why they said it's under control. Just the way they want it. No fuel will f- further strangle the children, women, and people of Gaza. Exactly. And that's why... Israel made sure no fuel would come through. And then you got Blinken and them going, hey, good job, Israel, for sending aid. That's how this game is played, because these people are criminals. Now, they also point out, I played earlier, these are people, the 22 people that were killed, or specifically the 4,000 that were in the building that was hit. These are people that lost their homes or ran away for their lives thinking they would be safe in a UN building. On October 17th, The school, the United Nations school, full of children and people that are hurt, sheltering 4,000 people, was hit by an Israeli airstrike. Eight people were killed, including three of their colleagues that add to the 29 number. Here's the point I played in the beginning. Israel is very aware of what this location is. This wasn't a, a bombing to the side of it and it kind of hit the building. This was a direct bombing of the UN building. Why? I think because there was Palestinians there doubt in your mind that these facilities that were hit were clearly identified as UN facilities and places of refuge? Absolutely. We clearly identify all our buildings and we share the uh, coordinates, the GPS, with all the parties. And we share them very, very regularly because we're aware of the movement of population and we're aware that people are seeking shelters shelter in our in our in our premises in our facilities so yes uh, affirmative all our locations are shared tomorrow how many people are we talking about who are in these shelters when they were hit this evening 
That particular building in the Marazi camp hosts hosted 4,000 internally displaced people. So these are people who either lost their homes mm -hmm. or ran away for their lives, thinking that they would be safe in a UN, in an UNRWA building. Is there any God, it just makes me so angry because it's so blatant. It's one of those moments where you have to see that these people are dishonest. The fact that nobody's bringing this up, not Biden, not Blinken, nobody, it shows you that they don't care. It's all a bunch of nonsense and lies and misdirection. They don't care about everything they claim to care about. They only care about power and control. And it makes me sad. But these people got killed. Realize they know that. Israel bombed this knowing it was full of children, women, and people that were hurt. Explain that for me. They have the coordinates updated regularly. Anybody out there defending what's going on right now is like, like the Alex Bernansons of the world. They are hiding from this right now because of whatever. I don't know. We'll get into the, the propaganda side of this, and maybe that's what they're getting money from. I don't know. I'm not saying that I know anything in that regard. I just I don't understand how somebody like that, who seems logical in some other cases, aside from cannabis for Alex, can somehow not see this. Like, I, you can... Go extreme all day, every day about what you think happened over here and act like you want against Hamas and string them up and whatever you want to say, but to ignore the civilians. I mean, I know I've been harping on this for weeks. I just, it just can't, it sits with me. People that you, I thought better of. I mean, my God, I just don't, it's not like they just don't see it. This is different than another news story. You know that there are people there and now they've just keep going. Well, it's Hamas's fault. No, you're a horrible person forever. I will never look back on this and see you as anything other than a person that was willing to ignore that hundreds of thousands, millions of civilians and children were being murdered in front of you. And all you could say was, well, Hamas was responsible. That's going to go on your tombstone. Like that makes me so angry. Okay. Here's what another one put out. This is also from the, the United Nations Palestinian Agency. We are devastated to confirm that two more of our colleagues, this is on the 20th, have been killed. The entire agency is grieving. It continues to advocate for adherence to international humanitarian law. UN staff and civilians must be protected at all times. Except when Israel is bombing, right? This is why I wanted to show this. So this is the United Nations, not Hamas, not even Palestinians, the United Nations saying people, civilians are suffering and we call for international law. And here's what a sycophant Israel supporter, rather a Zionist supporter, has to say. If there was no terrorism, there would be no deaths. I mean, really? Okay, so my point in all of this is whatever, however, whatever you think that's logical or not. He's saying that to a UN location is protecting civilians, not Hamas, but civilians. So as his mind, all civilians, if you're an Arab or a Palestinian, it's your fault. This is the kind of racist, bigoted idea that is being put forward as the right side. It's horrifying. Now, yes, there are Palestinians that have similar views in reverse, but I, my opinion is that it's very slanted one direction and that most, of pe most people on the Palestinian resistance side, not Hamas, but fighting for Palestine to be free, have a very different mindset on things like this because they have been the victims of apartheid and oppression and occupation for generations. But just recognize that kind of mindset. Not Hamas, civilians, and the UN. He has the nerve to respond to the UN and say that. 
And again, I've said many times, I'm not, I'm not a supporter of the, I, the body itself is manipulated every which way, but it still shows you that there's some kind of, like you can use that to show you the kind of thing they often use against you and show you that they don't even care about it today. Here are the leaflets they put out. And I have checked the writing itself. This person says, sons of Satan. He says, I, I guess just kind of like exacerbation. Israeli military throws warning papers at Gaza City, declaring that any civilian North Gaza North Strip, North Gaza Strip is liable for death. Now, the way that AP reported it is that get out of the way. We're trying to help you, right? Adding a clear genocidal statement. Anyone who chooses to remain in North and Gaza will be considered a partner of a terrorist organization. That's not what they're saying. What AP is putting forward, they're telling you, if you simply stay here, I don't care if you're a baby. I don't care if you're disabled. I don't care if you're 99 years old. We're going to bomb you and kill you because you're present. That is Obama. If you're there, you're a combatant. It's the same kind of game, guys. I wonder where that comes from. But Blinken and Biden and the media, no one's telling you this. They tell you they're carefully trying to move them out of the way because they care about the civilians. We're not targeting civilians, they tell you. Why? Because if we kill them, they're no longer a civilian. It's the same game, guys. Gaza residents are reporting a mass of mass calls pre-recorded on a cell phone in Gaza saying that anyone left in Gaza is considered part of a terrorist organization. If you refuse, if you refuse to be ethnically cleansed, you are a terrorist. It just makes me sad. Now, this is there's not necessarily entirely graphic but there's some hard stuff to watch especially if you're you know with children so just be prepared state of palestine puts this video out of a pretty prominent journalist who is in gaza according to estimates israel kills approximately 120 children on a daily basis now this is estimates but look we can based on the amount of children that are being pulled out of these buildings the thousands of children that we can prove according to international groups that have been killed already uh, that already wildly outnumbers the number that seems to weirdly continue to creep up on the Israeli side, even though there doesn't seem to be continual things happening over there. The point is that right now there is, uh, we're told, a, what, 13, 1,400 civilians, which I still argue most of which were IDF or at least occup- settlers or so on. Either way, I have yet to be able to confirm really any of that. I'm not saying there were. I, I think there's pretty clearly civilians that were killed, but... As a journalist, I need to be able to confirm these things. On this side of it, you can see thousands. The number is now way, way, way higher than what we're told has happened in Israel. That's just a benign, factual statement. And that has to matter because if we're going to be outraged about civilian deaths on one side, why do we not care about it on the other? Why? Because at many different levels, people believe that they're responsible or doesn't that because they're there, it's their fault. Even in the United States, it's mind-blowing, even though they're trapped there, not allowed to leave. But see, it's a willful misunderstanding or choosing to ignore the situation. But the estimate, 120 children on a daily basis. Bringing the total number of children to 1,688, the numbers I'm seeing estimated by groups that are kind of monitors of this, much higher. But again, it's, it's kind of estimates because of the ongoing bombing of this area, but in the West Bank and Gaza since the October 7th. And here's what he has to say. This journalist on the ground. Can anyone just tell me what they did to deserve this, to be murdered in this way? Please. Is there any reason that these children, two years, three years, they're murdered murdered in this way, they were like sleeping?
for those in the podcast, you just, there's like six or seven dead infants on the ground. And he just said, you know, what do they do to deserve this? Right. I mean, that's the point we're always trying to make here. It, murdering children does not justify murdering children. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, it justifies going after the culprit and stopping them from ever doing it again. All you're doing here is spinning this out of control, and it seems to be deliberate. Now, here is a horrifying video, Dan Cohen points out, of this same journalist. Motaz, he says, is one of the most talented uh, portrait photographers in Gaza. Instead, he's forced to film this. Apparently, as he was in the process of filming, he was handed two infant children, and they begged him to get him out of the war zone. And that's, that's where this picks up. Heading to place that get strike and just people gave me these two babies they are injured by the bombing I just see them you're fine I mean that's, that's, that's the face of the Israeli war right now in Gaza guys it just doesn't sum it up any better. Thank God those children are alive. And these are the people that there aren't leaving. That it's only going to get worse with more action, more bombing. And they're, they're claiming they're going to ramp up the bombing today and tomorrow. Even more, apparently. To the cheering of Blinken and Biden. And probably Trump, too. I haven't, I've seen him blindly support this like anybody else, but I haven't seen him speak up as much as they have. The bottom line is these are civilians. There's no rationalizing that this makes sense just because you claim they're present when you bomb an area without any concern for civilian life. That's what the bad guys do, guys. That's the reality. Robert Inlakesh points out that Israeli airstrikes have killed 4,385 Palestinians in Gaza including 1,756 children, 9,607, excuse me, 900, 607, 967 women, in addition to 13,561 wounded. 70% of the casualties are women, children, and elderly. 51 medical workers, 17, United, it's gone up to 29 now, of UN employees killed, over 1.5 thousand missing. Now, let's, not, let's remember, guys, the medical... The, Robert put this in his article. I recently put it on a show. The United Nations has its own documented website showing you, proving, do, per, per their own verification, that Israel has already targeted multiple hospitals, multiple bi- medical locations, medical workers. It's not, it's not even debatable. Yeah, are we going to pretend Hamas? I mean, it's, it's the same argument. Now, this one really, uh, weirdly enough, I mean, not weird, I mean, I only say that because we're looking at such horrific things like the children. This really got to me. Loki points this out from Mint Press News. Rash- uh, Rashidi Siraj, the photographer who took this picture. I mean, look at this, guys. This is crazy. I mean, that that is you, you, multiple blocks, multiple entire, I mean, you're destroying this civilization. And I mean, look, this is a civilization they created because you forced them into a prison, displacing them more than once. And now you're just bombing where you put them next. I mean, it's just disgusting. Civilians, mostly civilians. Now, here's the craziest part. This is the image I used in the middle of my photo, my image for the show today. Rashid, the photographer, took this widely shared picture of Israel's destruction, was himself later killed by an airstrike. 
Did you hear that on the BBC, the CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News? No, you didn't. Because they don't care. Because civilians are being killed. Because medics are being killed. Because journalists are being killed. Probably targeted for all we know. And nobody cares. Why? Hamas, bad. Hamas, they, Hamas made it, put it on themselves. What, hum, so Hamas did something in Israel, therefore the journalists in Gaza are fair target? Like, there's, it's one thing to argue that they're using shields, which, uh, human shields, which even the UN has proven is false about Hamas. Doesn't mean it's not happening, but they did an investigation and they found no evidence was the statement they put out. Robert covered that as well. Bottom line is, are we then to believe that the journalists filming this are somehow part of that? Is that so Blinken? What do you have to say about that? Alex Bernison, Ben Shapiro, what do you have to say about the journalists who are there on the ground trying to cover the war and are getting killed in the process? Think about that for a second. Now, I have to understand that in many cases that happens when journalists in wartime because they're in a dangerous position. But this is because of indiscriminate bombing, because of journalists that were at hospitals and safe locations, and then they got killed. How do you defend that, guys? The point is those people that are screaming that we're crazy, they don't have an answer for that. You can't go, well, Hamas did this over here, so you're killing journalists now and medics? This has gotten wildly out of control, and it shows you what these people really are. Here is a, a, just one example of a journalist. As State of Palestine puts, the condition of journalists in Gaza Strip reflects the enormity of the humanitarian crisis due to the crimes of the occupation. Now, you've got journalists basically becoming the medical workers, saving children because they just happen to be present. Man, so here, this is Times of Gaza pointing out the Gaza Strip on the 16th. 16th consecutive day of 24. I mean, even the AP keeps talking about round-the-clock bombing, guys. As Robert pointed out, this was uh, half a week ago. More bombs on Gaza than one full year of Afghanistan. I think it was, I don't want to pull off the top of my head. All these numbers are just obscene. I mean, even that, now I may be conflating those things. He was talking about the weight. No, that was Eva Bartlett talked about it. The point is the amount of effort that has gone into this is, is dwarfing long-term wars of the U.S. around the world on a 25-mile densely populated area. That's why this is so horrific. Well, as low-key reports, and this is interesting, this is what I was talking about before, Israel has rejected the return of two Israeli detainees from Gaza. It is believed that Israeli airstrikes have killed at least 22 Israeli detainees in Gaza. 
And there's no, I don't know why that would, of course they go, no, but how in the world would they know? The point is they've said many times, they don't know where the hostages are. They've indiscriminately bombed. So it's pretty clear that they, it's likely that they would have killed because of how much they've been bombing. At the very least, it shows that they don't care about the civilians or the hostages because they're bombing all over the place or the 600 Americans that are present that our government doesn't care about either because they're Palestinian Americans. But here's what's interesting, because this has been reported around. This is uh, this is from multiple uh, reports. Here's Al Jazeera, Israel, Gaza, Hamas says Israel refused to free to host offered to free two hostages. Now, here's what's interesting. Remember, Hamas released two American hostages, which Israel tried to kind of like take credit for, which they Hamas just did it of its own accord, saying it was a humanitarian necessity, which who knows if it was true or not. But it really does kind of put us a, a spin on the idea, are they maniacal murderers for no reason, or are they giving you back people that are struggling from a medical problem? That doesn't make any sense. It begins to show you that they're not what they're being made out to be in many cases, but on top of that, which again, with all of the back and forth, makes you make you question what really went down. But on top of that, it could just be a political move. To say, here's the Americans, now keeping the U.S. out of the picture, maybe. But realize that Israel was happy to accept them, but then they asked to give to Israeli, same reason. It says, we informed the Qataris yesterday evening that we would release the following Israeli civilian captives for compelling humanitarian reasons. Same argument. Now, the the narrative is that they refused that. Now, what I think is really interesting is I think that if that was the reality, that seems to, to suggest to me that it be, it's because that the story won't line up with what we're being told. I find that to be interesting because we haven't gotten any other, like I keep pointing this out. There's all these arguments about that woman with the Jeep. We don't know the full picture of which people keep posting the image, which I just, I mean, journalists are doing that. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, it does seem like it's a, it looks terrible. Do you know who's in the image? Do you know who she is? Do you know what happened to her? Do you know who's paying those people? Do you know who they are? Do you know what they're working for? Do you know where they went? I mean, the point is to share that, like, you know, what happened is a, don't follow that journalist anymore. That person is an emotionally led person. The reality is we don't really know what happened there. Like a woman from Germany that turns out they took her to a hospital. It just, it, it, the story, we keep getting all these fake stories. And interestingly enough, it feels a lot like we see in Ukraine. Fake story after fake story. And they just keep jumping to the next one. Either way, this does not line up with what we're told, especially on, on either side, really. Now, Alan McLeod points out something interesting. He says, I wonder how many of the figures screaming about Hamas torturing civilians, which we have no evidence of where they're being held, by the way, will have anything to say about this. Now, we have those videos, for example, of people that, you know, have, have are bound and have looked like they were beat, beat up or something like that. Now, the point is that these are IDF members, many of which we could prove. So the bottom line is, in a military situation, when you're taken and held like the idea is that you're telling us they're killing everybody for no reason and now they're keeping people now i'm not trying to whitewash or justify i'm trying to be unemotional about it and be logical about it which drives certain emotional sides crazy but the argument would be that what we've seen so far doesn't really line up with all of the narrative we've gotten but what they say is what he says is all the people screaming about the arguments about what they're doing what do you have to say about this idf settlers allegedly bind strip beat, burn, urinate on three Palestinians in the West Bank. 
Um, Palestinians accuse suspects of attempted sodomy and attack days after Hamas onslaught. Israeli activists say they were also victimized. IDF boots commanding officer launches probe. Well, it's pretty interesting. I mean, there's, this is new. IDF settlers bind, strip, beat. And this is what we keep hearing about in the West Bank, guys. Urinate on, right? So the bottom line is, even if you think that's what's happening, well, the reality is then you're just as bad if you support this, if you ignore this. But on top of that, it starts to feel like this is what the, the extremist side is presenting and we're only seeing it on one side which is what we continue to see in a lot of these conversations, sort of like the U.S. government going, Assad's bombing children with gas, and it turns out your guys are doing that. Oops. Kind of, it's kind of the same classic thing we've been seeing. Now, here is another person in the West Bank getting shot. Murder for no reason. Now, what you can see in this video is a bunch of kids throwing stones, which I still think is just obscene that you act like that's justified to shoot them, which is what they do all the time, as we heard Abby Martin just talk about. But here is a guy who just happens to be walking in the wrong street, carrying what looks like a cup, and these kids on the other side throw a stone, and that kid gets shot in the head. I mean, you can clearly see that he just comes from... He's walking. Well, that's... And this is the West Bank. Here is another West Bank situation with even the AP reported, which is that the mo a mosque, the Al-Ansari Mosque, was bombed by Israeli forces in Janine. But of course, they're claiming that this is a Hamas location. And that's even what the Associated Press was towing. I think this one was just on here. Oh, no, it's right here. I mean, how many times can, the, how much of this can continue? Mosques, hospitals, schools, UN locations. Now, of course, you could argue that some of these are Hamas secret locations. I mean, it's certainly possible, but we don't need any more evidence to realize that they're bombing locations like UN locations that aren't Hamas locations, that they're very aware aren't Hamas locations. So it's not really hard to understand what's going on. Israeli Israel strikes militant compound under West Bank mosque. Military says. Here he, Reuters doing the same damn thing. Strike the militant compound under the mosque? Oh, wait a minute. So that means the mosque wasn't the compound? So, yep, now we're, having, we're even getting actual reports of them destroying a protected building because they claim there's a tunnel under there. Well, so that means you're destroying the building and killing the civilians in order to hurt Hamas. Yep, yep, exactly, guys. That's what they're doing, and it's almost obvious. And, of course, this is today. Military, oh, yesterday, military spokesman says Israel's plans to increase the strikes. My God. Round-the-clock bombing of a 25-mile area with 2.5 million people, mostly civilians, half children, and you're going to increase the amount of bombing. I can almost hear Biden clapping right now. 
Or maybe he tripped on something. I forget. So here is Sarah talking about the hospital, or excuse me, the, the church that we've recently covered. Now, this one really bugs me, by the way, because this is something that we can prove did happen. And you've got certain people like David Eli that just are really nailing it, keep pointing things, because this is apparently what they believe or are too blind to look into, which makes me question how they got anything right during COVID-19. She pointed out the hospital. Israel just bombed the historic church of St. Porphyrius in Gaza, one of the oldest churches in the world. Dozens of Christians are injured, some in dire condition, and many Palestinians remain trapped beneath the rubble. Now, that didn't say they destroyed the building, just like with the other one. It turned out it was an air, it was a JDAM that, that was an air deployed, so it caused direct damage downward and just hurt a lot of people. But it minimizes the actual damage of the infrastructure, which makes it hard to prove anything even happened the way it did. And the point is, you can clear, as we had actually two different medic, military experts say very clearly that was not a Palestinian rocket. But the media doesn't care. Just like with the narratives we got during the Ukraine-Russian discussion, it just moved forward. We prove they bombed Kramastok, they move forward. We prove that they framed Bucha and killed those people and blamed on Russia, and they move forward. Proved it, guys. So here, before we even get into the people trying to lie about this, here's Justin Amash, a member of Congress from 2011 to 2021. He says, I was really worried about this. With great sadness, I have now confirmed that several of my relatives, including Viola and Yara, pictured here were killed at St. Porphyrius Orthodox Church in Gaza, where they had been sheltering when part of the complex was destroyed as a result of the airstrikes. Now, yes, it turns out that the main structure was okay, but the point is it's a complex, and they were there sheltering, and yes, it did get destroyed due to Israeli airstrike, and even Israel basically took it, took, claimed it. And I'll show you what I mean. My point, though, is that there are people acting like this didn't even happen. Oh, another lie by the Palestinians. I mean, I'm not saying that Justin couldn't lie about this or that people of Congress can't lie, but I think it's a really hard thing to imagine that he would just make this up, but certainly possible. But that's not, that's just one example. The Palestinian Christian community has endured so much, he says. Our family is hurting badly. May God watch over all Christians in Gaza. Again, another Christian location. You starting to see a pattern? And all Israelis and Palestinians who are suffering, whatever their religion and creed. Same point we made at the beginning. If this was Arab versus Jew, then this is that, not, this isn't what we would happening, would it? If we're pretending that the Christian side is on the same as the Palestinian, or excuse me, as the Zionist side, well, then what are we talking about here? Everyone's being played by the Zionists. That's what we're talking about here. He goes on to say, my family and I would like to express our heartfelt appreciation for the many kind and gracious messages of condolence and our beloved cousins in Gaza. Please remember the thousands upon thousands of innocent civilians in unbearable circumstances who simply want a life of peace. So many of the people suffering are just children. They don't deserve violence and death. But apparently he's a terrorist for pointing that out. Thank God there are people out there that can make this clear, hopefully reaching some of the civilians that would otherwise be frothing at the mouth to murder all the terrorists in Gaza. Now, here's something I thought was very interesting. He says, as an American of Palestinian descent, I urge heritage... Heritage Foundation, to delete this utterly disgusting xenophobic post, which they did. But too bad for her, the internet's forever. Here's what she had to say, and this is despicable. The Heritage Foundation, like just think of, I mean, look, this is a group was created to as, for be a battleship for the conservative movement. Doesn't surprise me here that any two-party paradigm discussion is usually lost. But here's what she says. Oh, wait a minute course hold on 
calling for resettling Palestinians in the U.S. Here's why that should be rejected. The Biden administration has been the arsonist that burned down our humanitarian border and immigration system. Well, by the way, first of all, we need to recognize that anybody asking to move the Palestinians is not on their side. Understand. That's just another backhanded way of trying to displace them, which is ultimately what Israel wants right now. So this is that two-party paradigm nonsense is also not part of the solution. But it's not that that's the issue. It's what she then uses to justify why Palestinians shouldn't be led inside the United States. It's un- it's disgusting, and that's why they deleted it. Rejected. The Biden administration has been the arsonist that burned down our humanitarian border and immigration system. Consequently, America now faces growing terrorist threats within our homeland. The Afghan evacuees of Biden administration flew directly to the U.S. after recklessly withdrawing from Afghanistan. Prove that. We can't vet a population against a database. Oh, I have to point. I have to say that too. Recklessly withdrawing. It wasn't the withdrawal that caused the problem. You completely and utterly lost person. It was the 20 years of illegal occupation and destroying everything. That's what caused it. They should. The faster they got out, the better in any time frame. Of course, not leaving all the weaponry and leaving the point. The way that went down was clearly just another arm of the manipulation. But of course, people in the two party paradigm either don't want to or can never figure that out. Afghanistan proved that we can't vet a population against a database that doesn't exist from a Hamas leadership with which the U.S. neither has diplomatic relations nor trusts. Even though they created and funded them, you know, but we'll forget about that little factoid. Any sizable pro-Hamas demonstrations in the U.S. And the- nope, they're pro-Palestine, as I can clearly see. I don't see a Hamas flag anywhere, but I wouldn't expect someone like this in a two-party illusion to understand the difference. Past week have shown us that the Palestinian population has no interest in assimilating into American culture and governance or in expressing loyalty to America or our allies. To import a population of Palestinians would be certain suicide for Americans. Think about that. Well, you know, I'm realizing now too, hold on. Um, Yeah, so here is, well, first of all, that's her video. So what she's claiming is that all Palestinians are anti-American and all of them don't want to, you know, by the way, the idea of assimilation is such an interesting concept. That's never been the conversation before the political fervor around the evil bad guys from other countries. Like the bottom line is we used to frame the melting pot as something we all love and we're all like the Statue of Liberty and these immigrants. I mean, it's just such a ridiculous concept that in not today, because of politics, that anybody from anywhere else is be- and usually why that is because they're aware that most people in the world hate our government, not us, our government. And that's what they're really afraid of. But here's what she ultimately said. Not only that they're bad and shouldn't come in the country because they won't want to be there. It's all terrorists, basically. She says the Palestinian population has no interest in assimilating an American culture and governance or expressing loyalty to America uh, would be certain suicide for Americans. So basically suggesting that they're going to kill people, that they're going to be part of the terrorist actions. Right. And my point is that she, they deleted it. I mean, what, what kind of coward will say something like that? So either you didn't believe what you said or you were just doing it in hopes to kind of garner a, opinion. But then they, he said, you're bad. And they deleted it. I'm so disgusted by two-party politics every single moment, man. It's just gross. Well, on the point of the church in general, which is where we were coming in that conversation as Justin Amash's family that were killed in that strike, here's what the IDF released footage of the strike near the church of St. Porpyphus, or what I say before, Porpyrius, 
appears to indicate that the Israeli Air Force targeted an adjacent building, but missed and hit the street adjacent to the church compound. Now, whether you think that's the reality or it was meant to happen or not, the point is they're still responsible for this. And all they do is lie about it. Because what happened was they put this out and said, IDF only targets intelligence-based military targets, which we can prove isn't true because they, we know they targeted the UN building. Right? Did we already forget about that? No, nope, they did. So they know they're targeting things that are not military targets, period. But they said, this church was not one of them. Clearly, that church was not the target of the strike and sustained minimal damage. Oops. So you just admitted without, without thinking that you did actually even inadvertently destroy the building, which then killed civilians. That's why they later deleted the tweet. Because it's not about the truth, guys. It's about controlling the narrative. So the reality is we do know that they did target this and they did destroy part of that church. Oops. And yet there are people online are lying about it. And here, by the way, is a pastor, a, a Christian pastor of the church who is telling you it's unacceptable to bomb churches. Now it says Israel just bombed the third oldest church in the world, murdering a few more scores of Palestinians. For those of you still in denial of a genocide, we have community members with 30 to 40 relatives wiped out in Gaza. It's not just Muslims. It's everything and everyone Palestinian. How are we not seeing this by now? I know most of you are, but there's plenty of people who are refusing to acknowledge this. It's not even Arab, guys. It's just anybody who's there. American Palestinians, Christian Palestinians, or people that aren't even Palestinian. They just happen to be there. They're, just, they're killing everybody in Gaza, including teachers and engineers and UN members and children. Doesn't matter, guys. Here's what Mick Wallace says. The apartheid state of Israel bombs hospitals and churches. It is engaging in a form of genocide in, against the Palestinians. It is a brutal, lawless state that has no respect for international law. And still, it has the unconditional support of the whatever it takes EU and the United States and Germany and the rest of them. Shows you who they really are. Take notes. Alan McLeod points out one of the first victims at the time, this was on the 19th, emerged from the survivors of the Israeli bombing of this church telling his story. And this is actually, it's really depressing, sad, because this is a guy who was already fleeing because his home was destroyed, and now he's in, he's just going, where am I going to go now? What am I supposed to do? I don't have another place to House was bombed, house was destroyed. Where do I go now? Where should we go? There's no place for us. God, that might, I mean, think about what he was going through. No place left. Imagine if your home was destroyed right? The community center you went to because they told you to go to it would be safe was then destroyed. Then you went to the hospital because you were hurt and the hospital was destroyed and the church was destroyed it's over and over. This is what he's going through. Imagine this was your town and your block and your street and your church. Imagine how that would make you feel. He's not Hamas. He's just a Palestinian trying to live his life. That's what they're dealing with. I'm a Christian in Gaza, he says. You're bombing Christians and Muslims in Gaza. It's not even a Muslim. He's a Christian. God, it makes me so sad. But here's Dr. David Eli coming in to minimize those people's suffering because that's what a good person would do, right? No, because he's fighting for a narrative. He's fighting for an objective, right? I mean, it might as well be part PR for Israel, just like Ben Shapiro. Because, I mean, it's relentless, relentless. And he's somebody who at least moderately followed during COVID-19. He says, BBC and the New York Times yesterday, Israel destroyed the Greek Orthodox Church of St. Porphyry. Now, look, am I going to, BBC and New York Times are terrible. 
if they reported that it was destroyed the the main building, well, it doesn't surprise me because they're terrible, as you pointed out during COVID nineteen. And he goes, "Here's the church today." I mean, that it's despicable the kind of things. You're, so, are you ignoring the fact that people were killed, or are you pretending that they weren't because you were told a narrative by somebody you listened to, or because you're wildly pro Israel and nothing else matters? Well, I simply pointed an obvious image of buildings that were destroyed, and I mean, it's, it's frustrating. I also pointed out Justin Amash's tweet down there. Nobody cared about that. People responding down here saying, you're a liar. You work for that. I mean, it's just frustrating, man. And here's, here's, and this goes into a different conversation about the other. uh, This one is about the Al Ali hospital that we covered, which Israel did bomb in the same way we're talking about here. This is forensic architecture saying preliminary analysis by them, by the Al-Haq organization and the Earshot NGO into the Al-Ali hospital blast in Gaza. And this is on top of all of the other stuff we already did, which in my opinion proves that it was an Israeli strike. This casts significant doubt on the Israeli occupation forces claims that the source of the deadly explosion was a Palestinian rocket. It's just, it's an utterly false claim and it's easy to prove. It either was exploded in the air, which the evidence proves, which means it wasn't able to cause the explosion that fell or it landed down and it wouldn't have caused the explosion that was supposed to be caused. On top of the fact that you can hear it, you can prove, I mean, it's, it's basic, but it says 3D analysis shows patterns of radial fragmentation on the Southwest side of the impact crater, as well as the shallow channel leading into the crater from the Northwest. Such patterns indicate a likely projectile trajectory with Northeast origins. In revealing our analysis, investigator and explosive weapons experts, that's the third that at least I've talked with or talked about, agrees the fragmentation patterns may indicate the projectile came from the northeast, the direction of the Israeli-controlled side of the Gaza perimeter, and not from the west, as claimed by the IOF. Hey, I, look, you can read, the, it's, it's like 15 tweets long. The point is, everything points to the direct, just like with the Kramstock Krom, direction. Of the rocket in Ukraine, which proved that it was their rocket and couldn't have come from us. Nobody cares. We'll move forward and keep blaming them. It's a propaganda war. If you want to re- follow our coverage on this, we, we talked about it on the 19th and, and before that as well. Israel did bomb the all. I, mean, I talked about it the day it happened. And my conclusion was the same. Then we follow up on it. And, t- and my conclusion was, again, that they did bomb this. If you want to watch it, it's right there. This is an excellent article that I mean, Robert destroys this narrative on the 19th the israeli massacre at the Ali hospital in gaza fact versus fiction it's important to read now getting into some other kind of misinformation around all of this or rather the i mean what i would see let's let's cut let's call it what i expect to be incoming manipulation this israeli channel says Israel's worried about the level of denialism in large parts of the world about the degree to which the Hamas terrorists murdered, tortured, and mutilated Israeli civilians during their attack. Well, it's not about denialism. There has been very minimal evidence put out. So what's interesting is they're upset that people don't blindly take what they said as fact like people used to. I've said from the very beginning, it does appear that people were hurt. I mean, I think we can prove civilians were hurt and killed. But the level to which they're presenting, I have not seen supported by the evidence. We keep we heard about 40 beheaded babies, and that got dropped really quickly because it's clearly not true. It stemmed from an, a settler like the others we just told you about that are roaming around and murdering and torturing civilians in Gaza and West Bank. So it's not hard to recognize. And that was spread by that one I-24 reporter that then got spread around everywhere by people. Even Biden said it, and it got proved that he never even saw it. Netanyahu was stating the same thing. So our point is simply that if we've already seen examples of things that have been shown to be false, 
we got to take everything with a grain of salt. So the point is, it's not denialism, it's a lack of evidence. And the idea of the nuance of it, the torture, the mutilation, we've already proven that one person floated a narrative that came straight out of something that happened to Palestinians decades ago. Now he says tomorrow, and this is today they're pointing this out, they will show uncensored footage from body cams. Body cams. I mean, let's think about this for a second. I'll play this next. What do you, and I said this in the beginning, why in the world? I mean, we made this point about Hamas in regard to the telephone conversation, which by the way, again, the stupid back and forth telephone, that was proven to be a fabrication by multiple investigations around the world. BBC said that was fake, guys. I mean, it doesn't be, I don't trust the BBC more than any, they're one of the least trustworthy people on the planet. But Robert did it. People investigated this. And the point is you can prove via dialect, first of all, that they're not even speaking like Gazans and that the way that they recorded it is clear. It's a fabrication. That's pretty much the way it stands. That's why they just don't talk about it now. The point is that's another example of a clear lie about the story, trying to, to make it seem that they were the ones discussing what happened. It's not true. My point is the fact that we know that they use they don't use phones and the Medicaid, they use uh, coded mini, uh, communications and all this different stuff. Then we're going to pretend that they went in with body cams on to what end? I mean, it, it really doesn't make any sense, especially since if you were to get captured, well, then there's far more evidence involved. Like it doesn't make any sense unless we ask ourselves, okay, well, it would make sense if it was the IDF pretending to be Hamas, which is what plenty of Israelis have claimed or if it was a, you know, what was the other example I thought of? It, if it was, uh, oh, you know, Hamas working on behalf of Israel to do that, which is what other Israelis have claimed. Or it just, it, it's fabricated to begin with. I mean, my, my bottom line is I'll take it at face value. When it comes in, we'll look at it, we'll investigate, and we'll do our same question everything breakdown. But the bottom line is it just already doesn't. And then on top of that, are we really going to pretend they would wait 16 days to release this? We, uh, while everybody's going, wow, we're not sure. We don't, Really? I find that really. They've already released re, uh, graphic images. So what, we're, what we do see, if anything comes out tomorrow, we should be very skeptical about. Because of one, how we've already been lied to. Two, it doesn't make much sense they would be monitoring the whole thing. And then three, because... They have done this before. The U.S. has done it. Israel's done it. They've manufactured entire fake evidence. We just talked about Iran. Let's watch what they said. Now, an important note. Uh, since the October 7th massacre, the IDF has been collecting footage from body camps taken by the Hamas death squads as they rampage through the communities in southern Israel. Which, by the way, there's evidence like breakdown investigatory evidence we've gone over on the show that makes it pretty clear that they weren't just going in to murder people. That it was, in fact, in many cases, in, court, in regard to the actual uh, concert, that now we have evidence that shows some pretty suspicious ways that they basically channeled them in. They bumped, they ran right into Israeli blockades on the street, which how in the world they had a blockade ready, even though there's nobody manning 15 different points they came in, makes no sense to me. But on top of that, that they then got caught crossfire between the IDF shooting and them behind them. And that's not even the original video of at the actual concert, which we saw the same thing. This was them running up to a blockade and then them shooting on, on the, on getting caught in the crossfire, which again, this is being argued by Israelis guys. I'm not saying that makes it true, but it just, it doesn't make much sense. 
butchering everyone in sight. Now, unfortunately, except, uh, the, ones they took, uh, except the ones they took hostage, of course, and the ones they released, right? These, these things don't line up. ...through the community mass death squad body camps taken by the Hamas death squads as they rampage through the communities in southern Israel, butchering everyone in sight. Now, unfortunately, and I can't believe I'm saying this, and I can't believe that we as a country are having to do this, as we work to defeat the terror organization that brutalized our people, we are... While indiscriminately bombing thousands of children and women, because that somehow makes it okay. ...are witnessing a Holocaust denial-like phenomenon. Of course it has to end up in that conversation, right? Despite the fact that you have not released evidence of all these claims. ...evolving in real time as people are casting doubt on the magnitude of the atrocities that Hamas committed against our people and, in fact, recorded in order to glorify that violence. Therefore, tomorrow... I mean, see, and that's the whole point. The idea being that they're just violent, malicious maniacs that want to revel in the horrible things they did, which certainly possible, especially since we remember this was something created by Israel. But the point is ultimately that it doesn't make much sense unless you just go that route, that Assad just likes to murder children. Well, that's not really true. And it's, it's, it's a hard r- grasp for almost anybody. But that's isn't it interesting how all the bad guys they fight are always framed like that? Just frothing at the mouth, maniacal villains that just like to hurt people, which it almost seems like they're framing them as the way that they act in most cases. But ultimately, I wouldn't even put that on them. There's always logic and calculation Right. So this just this to me doesn't make sense. And how how you then line that up with the hostage side of this or the idea that they're going to go in and mutilate and torture and all this. And then go, OK, let's let's exchange hostages. I'm, I'm not saying that it doesn't make it possible, but it doesn't line up. And that's why, as a journalist, without a whole bunch of evidence to back it up, we have to be skeptical, regardless of the emotional ploys. That's what a good journalist should do. The government press office will screen for foreign media gruesome and as yet unseen footage of the barbarities perpetrated against our people on October 7th. Now, let me say this too. It's possible, certainly possible that this will come out and it'll be very compelling. And then we'll report on that. And that's not going to be some kind of a turn of the narrative. This is what people, let's just say for sake of conversation, this comes out and this is just for whatever it means, verifiable and horrific. What I've been saying to this point has been that we haven't got evidence to explain or show what they did. Well, if it does, and that's absolutely clear, we'll report that. And that still, mind you, will not justify what's happening in Gaza. That's what I keep trying to tell people. It doesn't matter in regard to the murdering of civilians in Gaza. What it matters for is going after the people that committed those atrocities, Hamas. But you see, this kind of circular logic just misses all of this. This is footage that has not been made public. It will screen a compilation of raw and unedited footage from the October 7th massacre for journalists who can stomach the horrific truth and want to report on what they saw. That will take place tomorrow, Monday, October 23rd, north of Tel Aviv at 11.30 Israel time. Please be in touch with the GPO or with us here at the Prime Minister's office if you would like more information about this screening. Oh, my God. Okay, now I see what this is. Did you get it? Unless I'm willing to bet you this will not be released publicly. This is going to be a special screening for the right journalists, and then they're going to report on what they saw. How much you want to bet? Now, that doesn't still that doesn't mean it's fake. But we should sure as hell wonder why that would be the way it's done. But doesn't that it's a, it's a private screening. It's pretty sure you just said that. So that's just I mean, guys. <laughs> Anybody that would buy that based on what we saw so far is ridiculous. Not only because of we've already caught them lying about stuff, 
it's ugh, ridiculous. But on top of that, even if it's extreme, one of because question everything and anything, anything's possible, we should wonder whether that might have been something that was carried out by their own personnel and then shown. Right. I mean, like these are just real. The thing, the interesting thing is there in certain conversations, people are afraid to even ask certain questions, you know, like whether the COVID injections killing people because they're scared for whatever reason, their job gets in the way, whatever. Right. My only objective is the truth, even as that brings negativity almost every single time. That's what I'm here for. Now, I'll include. Oh, not this one. Uh, just these other discussions we had where Robert broke these down. This is two articles from Robert where he breaks down the 40 beheaded babies, showing you that's not true. The allegations about rape women and showing you that there's no evidence to date that that's actually happened. We have insinuation and possibility, but again, no provable evidence, which matters for a journalist, at least honest, not emotional journalist. journalist. Then he, he followed up on one talking about the, the many different allegations about them having water and they didn't need Israel. It's all complete lies. Or digging up the water pipelines. It's all propaganda misinformation. There's some level of truth to some of it, but it's ultimately a lie to get you to think they did something that would stop them from getting what they would need. It's not true. Here's the truth, part two. And now I'm just going to include a listing of Robert's categories so you can look at his other articles. Now, two last things to get into before we finish today. This one, now just since it's, it's a already been a long show and we're already getting to three hours. I'm just going to, I'm probably going to go deep into this in one of the next shows. This is horrifying. I mean, almost, I almost don't even want to get into most of this guys, but so this is ECAD and it says in through extensive investigative, investigative efforts, ECAD has uncovered covert Israeli telegram channels responsible for disseminating violent, sadistic and criminal content. These channels display flagrant disregard for basic principles of human dignity, act, uh, activity, actively endorsing the mistreatment and ridicule of deceased Palestinians, their injuries, and their remains. They also incite violence against innocent children and women and publish videos that offer undeniable evidence of gruesome acts involving the mutilation of corpses. Now, these are, this is the kind of settler we're talking about. Now, it says, we must emphasize that the content revealed in the investigation is deeply disturbing. They managed to monitor several Telegram channels, and you can look through them here. In a comprehensive examination... They're just going over more of what they did. I just want to show you a couple examples, guys. And it's not the worst. Like, see, this one, I'm not, I don't want you to see. I mean, it's graphed out, but I mean, they're, they're beating up a dead Palestinian body. It says in this video clip, an Israeli seen violently attacking a deceased Palestinian body with a mop stick, thrusting it into the eye sockets, while also subjecting the deceased to a string of vile and offensive remarks, which are too explicit to be documented here. Same thing here. In another distressing clip, he's repeatedly stabbing the bodies of dead Palestinian militants on the ground. This one says, ridicule of the corpses. Another account exhibited a disturbing image featuring the bodies of dead Palestinians accompanied by an outrageous request to have them dismembered and likened to pastrami pieces, insinuating that they should be fed to starving Gazans. The subsequent image displayed an Israeli callously likening deceased Palestinians to pigs mockingly commenting the challenge to spot the pig has begun who can tally the number of pigs taken down in the photo we're talking about civilians no one's questioning that in a different image showcasing the deceased palestinian was posted where his injuries were crudely likened to an animal dung paired with the call to kill more palestinians in gaza subsequent videos showcasing palestinians 
Many deceased and injured Palestinians from Israeli airstrikes made its rounds in its groups where the body of the injured was coldly likened to tomato sauce and the remains of those who tragically died were cruelly referred to as ripe avocados. Just it goes on and on, guys. It's horrific. It's really unnerving. Here's one that really bothered me. In addition, an image was digitally altered, replacing the children's bodies with those of pigs. These are dead children. The caption accompanying this disturbing alteration callously remarked, sheep herders turned into swine. My God. My point, these are people that are proudly screaming and relishing the idea that Palestinian civilians are being killed. I mean, it goes on and on and on, guys. It's really disgusting. Here is Dan Cohen pointing out the similar thing. Hebrew language telegram channel with 90,000 followers celebrates genocide in Gaza, writing quips about the most gruesome images of Palestinians massacred by the bombs. Not Gaza, or not Hamas, but children, civilians. This is just from the last three days, but it goes back more than a year. That's an important point. It's not just because of the seventh, guys. And here's the other point that Dan clearly understands. Zionist Satanism is unparalleled. Not Jewish, Zionist. Because Zionists are playing everybody. Now here's just an example Syrian girl shares. Israeli politician goes insane when it's simply suggested that a Jewish child is just as valuable as a non-Jewish child. Out of the child, whether Gaza... And she screams, there is not symmetry. There is no symmetry. There is no symmetry. And the children of Gaza brought it upon themselves. That's the point. Children brought it upon themselves. It says, we are a people who live in peace, a people who seek life. There is no symmetry. Children. Like, I don't care if you believe that somehow, some kind of bigoted, racist mindset that all Palestinians don't live in peace. You're, if you believe that, you're ridiculous. But the bottom line is, how, do a, how does a child bring it upon themselves? How do you rationalize that? If you're an extremist. Here's one that is, I mean, probably the worst thing I've seen in this entire thing. Jackson Hinkle shares this. An Israeli woman mocks the thousands of Palestinian mothers in Gaza whose children were murdered in the Israeli airstrikes and whose children are still buried under the rubble as bombs continue to drop every 15 minutes. God! Gosh, just, just disgusting. And by the way, here's this. I didn't even show it. Just in case you want to see the Telegram channel that he was sharing. And all the horrific, disgusting things they're laughing about and cheering and sharing. Think about how disgusting that is. And here's where this gets especially frustrating. Sophia Smith Gaylor points something out. If you've been targeted, if you if you've been targeted ads from Israel's foreign ministry on YouTube this past fortnight, you're not alone. This was yesterday. 
I, she said she's learned that she, uh, using, she, I think this is kind of an advertisement for this platform, but nonetheless, she makes an excellent point that they've spent nearly $7.1 million on YouTube ads, including some horrifying videos. Here's what they found. Now, in the interest of time, and you can read this, there's breakdowns, money, everything. I'm going to play the video of this person talking about it in a one minute breakdown ads from Israel's foreign ministry lately. I've discovered using an analytics tool that they have spent over $7 million on YouTube ads in the past fortnight. This estimation suggests big profit for Google. And there's another thing, the ad library seems to have included graphic videos, which technically violate the platform's ad guidelines. Let's get into it. So Google does not publicly share how much an advertiser has spent on an ad campaign with them. They do have an ad transparency center, which gives some information. You can go there right now and see what ads have been active since the Hamas attack. You can see what countries specific ads have been targeted to, but you can't see to what degree. And that is where an analytics tool like SEMrush comes in. Subscription software like SEMrush has data partnerships, machine learning, algorithms. It uses all of these to make an estimate on what it thinks different accounts have spent. An estimate is always an estimate, but SEMrush is consistently reliable. What we can learn from it is that France, the UK and Germany really have taken the lion's share of that ad spend. About $6.8 million of that big total was spent on those three countries. And if you're wondering what does nearly $7.1 million actually mean in terms of how many people have seen it, it equals to nearly a billion impressions. To show how an ad campaign can look over a couple of weeks, here is an example from the UK where $1.1 million have been spent. I go into this more in my Twitter thread. I mean, ask, ask yourself why. I mean, like, I, I'm sure the argument will end up being, as I answer my own question, that it's going to be like there is so much fake news that we have to battle it back with our truth advertising or whatever. But the point is, you can prove the stuff they're putting out is propaganda. I've already shown you some of them. One was about the 40 beheaded babies. That's not true. They're propagandizing people into push. The, I mean, and that's what we're seeing. I'm going to get into that next. The people that we're seeing. Like that woman, they're, they're, in many cases, I can't prove her specifically, but in many cases, they're being paid by the Israeli government to mock Palestinians. I'm not going to show anything here, but Politico reported this week that Google removed 30 ads from this account with horrifying images after Politico reached out to Google for comment. I have to say that in the past week doing my investigation, I've seen videos with very graphic content appear. Right and get monetized. Exactly. People and groups on all sides of the conflict trying to inundate the internet with their messaging right now, of course, but they're not often or always ads which big platforms take profit from. And certainly not everyone's marketing budget has a spare $7 million. If you found other accounts doing this, tell me about it and I can have a similar look. Have you? Right, so it's very interesting that they're spending so much money to influence the conversation and doing it in such a malicious, manipulative way to spread misinformation. And it's being allowed using graphic imagery. Now, we, by, by the way, as we showed you in the beginning, while censoring Palestinian accounts, they've taken their side. Twitter has chosen its side. Farayel, the wife of famous British boxer Amir Khan, received this message telling her to stop posting positive Palestinian posts. She was offered a handsome reward in exchange for posting about Israel, but she was threatened with consequences if she disclosed the message publicly. Well, I guess she's going to have consequences. Direct message, and it comes in saying, let's make this quite simple. If you support Israel and cease posting about Palestine, we will ensure you are rewarded lucratively. If you don't, or if you, this is publicized, there will be severe consequences. That, I mean, that's, that's, that is a blatant threat. That's not what an honest entity does. Now, here's one of the parts that really stood out. And quickly here, Kara 
points this out. I feel like this post is a perfect example of what propaganda is and how it works. So I wanted to break it down. So this was put out by Israel's main account on Twitter. It says Taylor Swift's heiress tour bodyguard returned home to fight for his country. So showing this, what appears to be her bodyguard and how he is over here fighting for Israel. So because since he's an Israeli IDF member. Now it says, hey, Taylor Swift, we promise you'll never find another like him. We love you, Aaron, apparently is his name, right? Or not. Turns out first, what is propaganda? It's a piece of misinformation that, you know, meant to manipulate people. I want to cut to the chase. The Israeli Post first provides a piece of info that's misleading. Taylor Swift's bodyguard is fighting for Israel. He isn't her bodyguard or in her employment, and that's proven. Forms a, forms And forms an association with Taylor Swift by using her lyrics. I promise you'll never find another like me. Very weird. So they use her lyric to try to get her fans to see this, right? To support him and pick up on that. But he doesn't work. Oops. He doesn't work for her. Then it goes on to say association is a common propaganda technique. They praise Taylor Swift's so-called bodyguard for joining the war and Taylor Swift by association. It says, but the lie is more interesting because they use the photographic evidence of him standing with Taylor Swift to reinforce the lie, further manipulating the audience into believing its veracity. In the same way, Israel used video evidence to con us into believing Hamas bombed the hospital. Remember, that was a lie and that got pro- broken down. He <clears throat> says, uh, that's what's so interesting to her about this post. It's the same strategy, but employed in a completely different way. Another thing is that it serves as a recruitment poster, celebrating someone associated with Swift joining the war effort, implicitly inviting Swifties in. But says, I don't know if it will work because Swifties have been training all their lives in media literacy. I don't know why it's an interesting statement, but literally decoding the most frivolous social media posts. And thank God the post was already called out. They fact-checked it already. The bodyguard in question worked for the stadium, not for her. At the Aeros Tour, this means he was never under her employment as not part of her team. So it's the first part. <clears throat> but then it goes on to say, but it's valuable to understand the language of propaganda. Transfer is especially insidious because when people start making associations between their favorite celebrities in Israel, well, they start building an emotional connection and emotions are hard to break, right? So they think, oh, well, we support Israel because Taylor Swift does, right? It says, I also want to point out this post is a classic example of bandwagoning. When the propagandist pretends as if everyone's on board their ideology, or cause to encourage more people to join. Look, even people in Taylor Swift's orbit are fighting with us. He says, just for some extra content, in case you didn't see the updated community notes, the security guard's name isn't even Aaron. That's the name of the Israeli journalist who simply published that story. But isn't it conveniently humanizing to give him a name? Think about how crazy that is. It says, I've just been informed that an investigation has proven he is her, has proven Wait, I've just been informed that, that an investigation has proven he is her bodyguard. I want, uh, hold on, is this new? Maybe I should have missed that. By, by, whoops, hold on. Investigation has proven he is her bodyguard. I want people to understand that this is still propaganda by making a tenuous connection to Taylor Swift. Okay, so that's interesting. So I, that, that must have been added on. I care about the truth. So my point was still the same. I, I agree with your point nonetheless. <clears throat> the point is, that you're trying to make this argument about how it is Taylor Swift's people that are now leaving their actions to go fight on the side of Israel. And the point being that his name isn't even Aaron, but turns out to be the, the person that did, in fact, post, post the story. But ultimately, that the idea, that at, least, at least she's claiming that that is his bodyguard, but it seems interesting that 
the fact check. I don't know. I'm going to go back and look at that because I saw the same thing myself. The article itself, which I looked at, it seemed to suggest that he wasn't her bodyguard. I don't know. The point is the internet's crazy. Either way, the bottom line is the fact that Israel is going out of its way to kind of go, look, you know, ever like basically trying to sanitize what they're doing by saying we're, we're Taylor Swift's bodyguard wouldn't just murder civilians. Like it's really insidious the way that this is being done. The whole point is whatever the breakdown is that we're talking about civilians being murdered wholesale, whole, whole onslaught, just nonstop without any discussion about their lives or their anything. And just because Taylor Swift's bodyguard is helping fight people, are going to support it. Now to end in general, we have to realize that they are now ramping this up or, or at the very least beginning to make it seem like that's going to happen. I guess in hopes I'm not sure because I think that right now we know, I know in my opinion, Israel will not do this unless it's the religious Zionism party that drives this out of some zealot mindset that without U.S. support, it's just logistically, logically not possible, I don't think, unless there's something I'm missing. So the United States, step Sprinter points out, the United States will take part in hostilities on the side of Israel, according to the Pentagon chief, Lloyd Austin. Hasn't happened yet, saying it's going to happen. In connection with the expansion of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, the United States may take part, may take part in hostilities since, according to the head of the Pentagon, this threatens American bases in the region. Again, because your bases are all over the world. It's not the idea that you're acting like this is the U.S.'s fight is ridiculous. The U.S. state, the United States has the right to defend itself. Again, that's concerning to me. It's a stupid statement, guys. Everybody does. It's about trying to already set the tone that if we do this, we're defending ourselves against what? How are you defending yourself if you're stepping in to fight Israel's battle? And it says, and we will not hesitate to do so if necessary. So all that means is we won't hesitate to defend ourselves. It means we won't hesitate to attack if we want to. The point, though, is it hasn't happened yet. This is more bluster. Maybe in hopes that Hamas releases hostages and stops and backs down. I don't know. Either way, this is a step closer going, we'll do it. We'll do it. But I don't think they will. Because if they do, the dominoes fall, guys. But I, I might be wrong. We might see. But I think this is, I feel like they would just do it if they were going to do it. It wouldn't be like, we're about to. We're getting ready, right? It feels like they're just trying to get narrative going. But here's a statement from yesterday saying that they're going to deploy aircraft carriers, more action, but and, and activated FAD systems, but nothing technically deployed other than what I think we all secretly know are already present in many different locations around the world. But here's one point I want to show you. It says Zionist occupation soldiers read the combat text from the Torah which command the killing of children, women, men, and even animals. They declare it in a religious war, and the West blesses and supports it. Well, first of all, what I think is important to point out, the same thing I would say about the Bible, is there's all sorts of things in the Bible that aren't taken verbatim. I'm, who knows? Maybe they do. They do. Many of these people in Israel do seem to be very, because of Zionism, be very zealot, very, that kind of zealot-minded. But my point is, because there, and there are rabbis I've seen just since this started, pointing out that you're supposed to kill the children and so on during about that, that is something that's stated, but you can find crazy things in the Quran. You can find crazy things in the Bible. But my point is that they're reading this on the battlefield, which does concern me, especially since we do know that people like Lindsey Graham literally himself said this was a religious war and that we're on a side. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah
Now, you could also argue that that's not what they're necessarily reading or that they're reading something else or that it's just a general prayer. Right. There's always so many ways you could look at this. But the fact that this is, in fact, I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, the idea that people that priests and so on would pray before a war with the United States. I mean, it's pretty common. Right. Either way, the point is that this is what concerns me. Lindsey Graham. We're in a religious war. Now, that's my point. That's what he says. That's what he probably thinks or wants. And that's what the Zionist government wants, right? It doesn't mean that just because these people are praying that therefore that they're crazy or is extremist. Maybe they're just Jewish and they want us pray because they're about to go in to fight, right? I mean, it's just as the same perspective we should have about any other religion without knowing for sure that they're... But my point is that we do know that they're being led by some pretty extremist Zionists who are using Judaism against them. Here's what Lindsey Graham said, if you forgot. Or, yeah, here. Just war here. I am with Israel. Do whatever the hell you have to do to defend yourself. Level the place. Right. All the civilians. So hopefully he goes to jail for that because he's okay with civilians being murdered. No big deal. Right? He's a maniac. But he also said we're in a religious war. And I'm on the side of Israel. So are you a Zionist? Or even through their manipulation, are you Jewish? Or are you Christian? So if you're Christian, you're not on their side. Like, that's a fundamental point here. If it's in a religious war, it's pretty obvious that the Zionists do not respect Christians. I mean, it's blatant, except your Zionist leaders in this country pretend the opposite. Sort of how they pretend that they're not killing civilians. Sort of how they pretend that they want a two-state solution. It's interesting how they lie about pretty much everything Zionists want. Maybe that's because the Zionists are manipulating them. Isn't Biden a proud Zionist? That's not a racist point. They would love to make that about Jewish Ju- uh, Judaism. It's not. That's how they try to get people scared about pointing out that Zionist political entities are manipulating everybody. That's how you get people in our government to wear IDF uniforms. That's how you get our government to stand up and say, level a civilian population. It's, it's, ma- it's maniacal. Now, again, to end, we have China deploying six warships to the Middle East over fears that Israel could spark World War III. Well, we just saw U.S. sending more defense, more carriers. So it's kind. Of, this is my point, guys. These are the dominoes. If they actually go in, this is going to get out of control. So I kind of don't think they're going to let that happen unless they get forced. We'll have to wait and see. But if the U.S. deploys, of course, that's what the U.S. seems to have done in the past, where they make the step and then they go, now it's on you. Right. If Russia and China gets involved, they're starting World War Three. No, you're doing that by making that step, knowing they're going to get involved because that's a red line, sort of like with Ukraine and Russia. But that's that U.S. tends to put that card out and then go put it on them to make the choice. And we've seen that repeatedly from Russia where they don't take the step that you would think they would because they show restraint. That's not to be good guy, bad guy, just tactical. And these called their bluff many times. But this It's hard to ignore while you're seeing civilians genocided in front of you. Now, it's like I said, to end here, Israel vows to wipe Iran, Hezbollah off the face of the earth if Hamas, if uh, if the terror group joins Hamas in the war, because Hezbollah is a terror group, right? It's not, guys. It's an elected entity that's very powerful, that's respected in the area that is not. The idea that they are terrorists is stupid. It really is absolutely childishly naive and ridiculous and showing a staggering lack of understanding of what's going on in the area. It just like the Houthis or any of the rest of them, they are entities that have rose up in support of their populations because of what's going on, because of Israel, because of the occupations. Doesn't mean they haven't committed crimes or that just like any other military or entity. It's not white, white, black and white. It never is. 
unless they, that's what they're always trying to sell you about them. We're only good and we only fight for freedom. Take note of that. It's not true. It's rarely that black and white. The point, though, is this is a joke. Israel vows to wipe. What, really? Why wouldn't they have done it by now? They sure as hell want to. And they've tried before and they failed. The point is they're making a threat because they're hoping that drives the U.S.'s hand, in my opinion, but also just blusters to the world and their population to win some support. But let's end with the video, the longer version coming from uh, this is the interview with the with Redacted and uh, Scott Ritter. And it's I agree completely about what he says here. Jake Shields points this out. This is why they're trying to make America fight their war for them. So it's five minutes long. I'm going to go ahead and end with this. Or let's see. Now I'll play it. I might have some comments. Let me play it and then we'll finish. The Israelis right now are scared to death, scared to death. Um, They mobilized 360,000 reservists. Let's just put this in perspective. The vast majority of these people did their two and a half years military service. The Israeli army is not very good. They have some units that are very capable, some of their special forces units, some of their specialized units. Uh, They have some technical units that are very good. But the mainstay, the the infantry units, the armor units, they're not very good. Uh, And they become even less good by being pulled back from conventional combat duties to policing duties in the West Bank. So most of these reservists spent their time uh, you know, walking the streets in the West Bank, learning how to break the arms of 10-year-old children, how to rough up 15-year-old girls, and how to sh- belly shoot 60-year-old men. That's what they did. Brutal occupation. It was horribly demoralizing for the many of these people. They didn't like doing this. And when they left the military, they didn't have a high regard for the military. So now they're back, but this time they're being called upon to do something that nobody in Israel wants to do, go into Gaza. Why? Because in 2014, they went into Gaza and Hamas handed it to them. In 2006, they went up against Hezbollah and Hezbollah handed it to them. The Israeli army just isn't that good and they're scared to death because Hamas is waiting for them. This is one giant ambush and the Israeli intelligence is blind. They don't know where they are. They're going to have to go in there and probe. And as they probe, they're going to be blown up, ambushed, slaughtered. And they know this. Um, The other thing that scares them is once they go into Gaza, they're going to be committed to that battle with the bulk of their reserves. And if at that time Hezbollah decides to open up a northern front, Israel's got nothing left. And even if they had something left, they can't beat Hezbollah. They can't beat Hezbollah. They know it. They've exercised it. Last year, chariots of fire. This year, firm hand. Those are the names of two major exercises where Israel tested its ability to fight a conflict against the Palestinians and Hamas in the West Bank and Hezbollah up north, and they can't do it. They don't have the resources to do it. Now you throw in Iran, and they're definitely screwed. So America is stepping in saying, hey, um, we're going to flex our muscle in an effort to deter Hezbollah and Iran from striking. It's not working. Two aircraft carrier battle groups and an amphibious ready group with 2,000 Marines does not a war win. Um, and we don't have anything behind And So I think what's going to happen is that Biden is going to try and – talk some common sense into Netanyahu and let him know the hard reality that, yeah, we flexed our muscles here, but if Hezbollah comes across the <laughs> Biden and common sense, that's a good one. Border we'll bomb them, but we can't stop them. It's up to you. And if you can't stop them, you're screwed. 
And so you might want to think about coming up with a different solution than the one you're picking right now, a full-faced invasion. I, there's there's a lot of things go behind to say the Israelis aren't as good as everybody thinks they are. They're very scared. Netanyahu's very weak. He's Remember how weak he was moving into this before right, the right. Hamas invasion. He was getting ready to collapse because of what he was doing with the judiciary and the and the reform, you know, the the rewriting of basic law. Hundreds of thousands of Israelis were in the streets. It's gotten worse for him because everybody's blaming. He was Mr. Security. I will protect you. I am the man. And look what happened. Nobody trusts him. There's a lot of Israeli talk going on, a lot of hot air coming out. Just one more time, I think it's worth considering that it may have been a tactical move that, that didn't work for him. Knowing he was about to fail, as even the op-ed was reporting, that like put borderline failed state for Israel, that he figured, well, war in the past has been my get-out-of-jail-free card. So let's take it a step further. If they kill Israelis, they'll be on my side. We'll wage a war on Gaza. I'll get the crate. And it didn't work. Like, I, I'm telling you, there's Israelis that are absolutely screaming about that. It makes a lot of sense. It's just a theory. And now they desperately need the U.S. to get them out of the thing they created. Out of the mouthpieces of Netanyahu's minions. None of it's backed up by reality. And the fact is, Israel's extraordinarily weak, extraordinarily exposed, extraordinarily scared, and America doesn't have a solution for them. And I guess is the template to look at what would happen to Israel, just look at Ukraine? Uh, it would be worse than that, because what... You know, Ukrainians right now don't have a place to run to. Uh, millions of uh, Israelis have dual citizenship, and they'll just leave Israel. I mean, that's what—that's the death of Israel. Every every Israeli I've talked to said, "We can't." This happened in 1991 when the Iraqi scuds came in. One of the big things they were saying is it's not so much the damage, physical damage that the Iraqi scuds are doing; it's the emotional and psychological damage it's doing to Israelis. If we can't get the European Jews and the American Jews to want to come here and stay here, it's over for the Israeli experiment. And if Hezbollah could come in and threaten Northern Israel, if Hamas can continue to threaten, it's over. People will flee. Millions of people will leave and they will never come back. And that's it for Israel. You know, so I, I think right now Israel's in a very difficult situation where the Israeli experiment has been shown to be a failure. And now the question is, you know, how do you get out of this? They're going to have to come up with a solution for Palestine, one that's acceptable to the Palestinians. And Israel no longer has the superior position where they get to dictate outcomes. They're actually going to have to negotiate. And this is where the United States could be of great benefit. But we can't because we continually shoot ourselves in the foot by opening our mouths and threatening war with people when we can't beat them. Exactly. I mean, and, and whether that's some kind of thought through design that blows up in their face or however you want to frame it, it's exactly over and over and over the same bluster, the same, you know, interestingly, the same thing they frame the old kind of Russian Soviet thing, you know, all anger and weapons and fighting and military response, no matter what. Well, it's weird how that's clearly not what Russia is today, but it very much is what the United States has become, if not always was. Maybe the same kind of argument of accusing that what you are guilty, but clearly there's, you know, definitely what they both were at the time. But the point is today, they've clearly maintained that same mindset. And I think, I just think that's interesting. And what Ritter plays out, lays out there is very clear. I just think that at this point, we have to question all the, all of what's going on. It's very clear. We're being misled about a lot. The Israeli population is not even remotely on board with what most of what the U S is claiming. They all think it's crazy. And meanwhile, 
Gaza civilians are just being completely destroyed as people seem to try to figure this out. That's the first thing we need to stop. Every, and then press the problem is anybody that stands up and says, wait, 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 stop killing them. Gets, they get fired. They lose their job. They get attacked. They, it's, it's crazy. This is a desperation move and they are losing. And, and they'll just like in Ukraine to the last Palestinian, if they think it'll help them, their agenda. And seemingly none of the UN, nobody's seemingly standing up for any of the people that are being killed. It's just disgusting. So we'll have to continue to monitor this and do our best to try to save the people in Gaza as best we can. And as Ritter points out, I mean, even Vanessa Bailey pointed out a fringe and interesting theory about the possibility that there's an overlap to Ukraine, especially with Zionists and whether that might be a last ditch effort to just move wholesale to take it all. I, I don't think that's necessarily likely, but it's just something else to consider. I doubt that would be something many of the most extreme would want to give up in the first place. But either way, I don't think Biden is going to bring any common sense to the table. I think that he's not even the one pulling the strings. I think what we're going to see here, especially with those like Lindsey Graham and the rest of them, is the allowance to go forward with this genocidal action in hopes that they can somehow resolve the situation. And it's all going to kind of implode on themselves because the rest of the people aren't going to allow that to happen. Either the allies on the side of Palestine or the people that just care about human life. And then it's just going to snowball into something worse. Maybe that's the whole point. But all we need to care about as individuals at the moment is civilian lives. We need to stop this from getting worse and stop the continual bombing. And the, we need to apply pressure in everywhere you can, even in the avenues that I typically don't think make a difference. Speaking to your politicians, marching, protesting, whatever we can do to get some momentum going to stop this before it gets worse. It's, been, it's one of these rare moments in the times I've been doing this where even though I don't think they want this to go that route, I see a lot of ways that it can just naturally progress. I mean, I even wondered about something like Zelensky. And now that I see he's getting billions more dollars, maybe not, but I was wondering whether he might make an irrational action or the Azov movement might because they're not being paid attention to. Any number of these moves could trigger something. And it's only like that because of your governments and their illegal occupations, and their complete disregard for civilian life. That's why this is happening. Hamas took actions that were detestable. Everything around it, and the occupations, and the continued murder, and the continued bombings of places like the Sudan, or anywhere else, are the reason this situation is the way it is. If you can't see that by now, you don't want to. So please, ask the questions, continue pushing back, stand up for people that have no voice stand up for the civilians that are being murdered in Gaza, regardless of your political standing or how much you hate what happened in Israel. There's lives matter too. civilians lives matter anywhere. Have the courage to stand up for that. It's amazing that we need courage to stand up for something so obvious. Thank you for being here today and continuing to support our platform. It's so important that you guys are here and that you continue to support what we're doing and continue to share the work and just stand up for what you believe is right. Never been more important, and I think, in my time doing this than right now. So thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. The place that got strike, and just people gave me these two babies. They are injured by the bombing. I just see them. You're fine. No, 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 no